Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Continental Tyres, AFL Trade Radio. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. A massive three hours coming up on The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your best workforce with megt.com.au and Chemist Warehouse, INC Sports Nutrition, powering tomorrow Today, available from Chemist Warehouse. David Noble, Stephen Silvani, Damien Barrett with you. And guys, we've got a lot to wade through in the next three hours and a lot coming very, very quickly. We're going to be speaking very shortly to Brad Scott, newly appointed, newly unveiled coach of the Essendon Football Club. In just a matter of minutes, we'll be speaking for the first time on Trade Radio this particular year to the Hawthorne List and Recruiting Manager, Mark McKenzie. A fair bit going on at the Hawks. And we're just as uh, the rest of the, the football world is too, absorbing the, the most recent comments made by Kevin Sheedy, Stephen Silvani. Uh, for those catching up with the story, the public unveiling of Brad Scott today, within a couple of hours of that being the case, in the Herald Sun, Kevin Sheedy reported as saying he voted for James Hurd. He's gone public with his vote as a board member being for James Hurd and not uh, Brad Scott. To me, it's the type of action that Brad Scott wanted to avoid. And going to uh, the Essendon Footy Club, there's a lot to play out uh, with all of that. Good afternoon to uh, to you two fine gentlemen. Damo. G'day, Damo. It's, it's staggering, isn't it, to, to think that the Kevin Sheedy made the comments uh, some weeks ago uh, after they'd sacked Ben Rutten, um, made the comments that that really jeopardised Alistair Clarkson's possibilities of, of joining Essendon. They were the largely the reasons at that point in time that uh, David Barham had sacked Ben Rutten to get in the race for Alistair Clarkson. Sheedy went public on radio in Adelaide and said um, he'd be a better fit for North Melbourne. We knew what he was doing. He wanted James Hurd to get to the line. And now today he's, uh, he's made that comment and, and gone public with the fact that he did vote for James Hurd. And while some people will think, well, that's okay, but this is not the way boardrooms operate um, in any form of business, let alone football clubs. And I would uh, expect that at some stage today, and, and if not today, sometime in the next 24 hours, that um, he will be asked to resign uh, from the board because uh, you cannot tolerate this type of public utterances when you are trying to be United Football Club. Yeah, well, Dave, it's not not ideal, is it, really, when you've just unveiled your new coach and a board member comes out and says what uh, was said. So, look, disappointing, I would think. I think if Sheed's had his time over again, he'd certainly say nothing. Um, looking back on well, it, well, what, what effect? Oh, well, I think I think yeah. he knows what he's doing most times. So yeah, yeah. And you, you know him, and you were you were combative with him when you were playing. Yes, but um, look, it's it's not ideal, and it doesn't sit well for that footy club either. Particularly no. for for Brad, who's going in there, and you know, you want that fresh start. You don't want fank, factions, and and you want everyone on board. And and that would have been, I'm sure, one of the questions Brad would have asked that board. Mm. Yeah. In so, are we are we all in it together here? He are might have we, even said, I would I would imagine, and we we can put this to him. What are you doing with Sheedy? Given the the tendency for him to to make comment publicly and. He's already had. I mean, he he, he rolled. He was he effectively was part of the crew, the David Barn crew that rolled um, the previous uh, chairperson, Paul Brasher. So that was a board meeting on the on the on the weekend of round twenty two before the final round. He then obviously uh, was part of the board decision to to sack 
Ben Rutten. He, he then, as we said before, went public on Adelaide Radio on a paid radio gig that that uh, Alistair Clarkson shouldn't consider Essendon, despite everyone else at the club at that point in time wanting Alistair Clarkson to at least consider the options. And then today, uh, gone public with uh, the, the decision of him. And again, I've got no dramas with him voting for someone, but but to go public with it and to make it known in the way that he now has that his, his vote went for James Hurd. Now, he wasn't part of the the subcommittee that went through the whole process anyway. So he clearly had predetermined that James Heard, regardless of uh, outcome of uh, process, was going to be his choice. Do you think he should have been part of that subcommittee? Uh, it was very political and pointed that he wasn't, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah in my eyes. Because I, I think we now know why publicly, because of the allegiance he, yeah. he had and the preconceived notion that, that in his eyes it had to be James Heard. And maybe, maybe he would have got a better understanding of why they went, Brad. Scott, mm. um, knowing that, okay, you've gone through all the candidates and Brad was the best candidate that, what, five out of six said? Six know, out of seven. Well, six uh, out of seven. That was the breakdown, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, look, it's 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 not a great day for the, the Essendon Football Club when a director comes out and says that. Says that, yeah. David, your, your experiences in, in footy, again, they're, they're, um, they're, there's a long time with you at high levels of, of football, coach, administration. It's it's highly unusual, isn't it? And, and and just take us through just quickly before we get to Mark McKenzie of of Hawthorne. Um, what you think that that club will will be going through right now? Yeah, it's it's inappropriate. There's no doubt about it. If you're a group that's trying to be or an entity that's trying to be aligned and move forward collectively after a lot of public disruption, then you need to be aligned. It's like the old match committee days. You all have your say, but at the end of the day, you pick the team. You're mm. all on on board with that team. So. It is inappropriate that a, a director comes out, um, and I do agree with Sossi, if you're in that group and you have got access to the information that Scotty's delivered, then you may well have a better informed view. But yeah, I think it's totally inappropriate. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see how David handles it. Yeah, it. we're keen to see it, and we'll, we'll explore this uh, this issue at Essendon. Um, we'll speak to Brad Scott um, in about half an hour's time, or thereabouts, and we'll continue to look at the Kevin Shetty issue. But right now, we need to just put a pause on all of that as we head out now to the Hawthorne List and Recruiting Manager, Mark McKenzie, who joins us on The Late Trade. Mark, appreciate your, your time today on The Late Trade. No worries, guys. How are you going? Well, well, mate, you've managed to uh, get the first uh, movement officially signed off and, and, and all executed. The, uh, the the long-known prospect of Carl Eamon joining the Hawks from the Port Adelaide Footy Club went down today. It's the officially the first movement, at least by way of the, the books being submitted and, and signed off by the AFL to, to become a Hawk. Yeah, it was great to get that one done early. It's always good during these uh, periods, whether it's free agency or trade, to sort of get something... Um, get a priority done early and, um, you know, great for the footy club, great for Carl. I think he's off overseas today too, so puts his mind at ease when he's um, jumping on the plane there. But, um, yeah, great to have that go through. It's been a bit of a process, so it's um, glad to be official now. Sure. The club's been um, open with conversations it has had in recent times with senior players who, who have explored the possibilities of, of looking elsewhere. And you, you had those conversations even last year. You were going to have them again. And, and, and one of those people you will speak to uh, soon, Mark, if, if not already, is Tom Mitchell, the Brownlow medalist. Uh, are you able to update us and, and by extension, the, the Hawthorne Football Club listeners of, of late, uh, late Trade on Trade Radio, the situation with Tom Mitchell right now as you are about to enter the official part of the trade exchange period? Yeah, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of media speculation over the last few years, really, always about players, and that goes from club to club. But 
really from this point, um, yeah, Tom's a contracted player. There've been there's been no trade request or anything like that, um, and that's really where it sits at this point in time. So um, from there on, that that's where it sits. We know that there's speculation going around here and there, and we've gone through that for a for a few years now. But um, yeah, that's really where it sits. I'll just ask you one more on him, and then I'll throw it open to to Stephen Silvani and, and David Noble. So. Obviously, two weeks to, to come, we've got the official trade period. Um, Collingwood has been linked to him. Are you expecting a call from them about Tom? Oh, we haven't gone through any hypotheticals from that. And really, from the facts that we know, there hasn't been anything significant come forward or, or, or anything from, from that regard. It's more some speculation here from there. And um, and that's what we deal with with every player from here and there. You don't know what's going to come over the next couple of weeks, but... At this point in time, that's a fact. He contracted and no trade request at all. G'day, Mark. It's Nobes here, mate. Um, Sam being in first 12 months down now um, in regards to his coaching style, uh, he's had a chance to look at the list and unfold. What are your biggest needs going forward, do you think, mate, in the, in the next 12 months with Mitch's game plan? Is it is it continuing to build into that midfield or what's the thought process? The thought process is probably pretty similar again to to this year where we need to get games into a group of guys. So, you know, we want to invest again in the draft. Um, and if we look at positionally, we're probably set down back there. I think everyone can see that we've got a number of guys that can um, sort of play down back. Um, and they've shown the ability to move up the ground too. So I think that sort of midfield forward area is probably one area that we want to look at, and whether that's in, you know, this period over the next couple of months through trade and draft or, or the next 12 months. That's probably the area just because of um, the players that have sort of rotated through the back line and feel those are going up onto the wing as well and even through the midfield. But I think we need to find that that, that mix within the midfield but also up forward going, um, you know, going over the next couple of years. But I think the plan will be, again, to get more games into these guys. And to the coach's credit, um, he was able to do that this year. I think we had, you know, on average about 13 a week that we're under 23 getting games in. I think we've seen how important that is when players start playing their 30th game and their 50th and 70th and getting closer to that 100 mark. So I think that would be the aim again for another 12 months. Mark, you mentioned um, that you may want more picks or get some more early picks in this draft. Was that correct? Did you say that? Uh, whether it's getting more or moving up, just improving our draft camp. So not necessarily getting another two or three in. It might be more... Um, focused on potentially moving up, but we'll explore both those avenues. Yeah. Have, um, have you got any interest in the Jack Bowes at all, knowing that pick seven's on the table or that, that's what's being said? Would you have any interest there? Yeah, there'll be some interest in, in Jack. I mean, um, from our point of view, like I said before, that midfield area is important for us to find that right mix. And Jack brings a, a little bit different um, with the way that he's played. So there's definitely, definitely some, some interest in that point of view. Um, in positionally, uh, and obviously the right age from our group that's coming through, the, the age demographic fits as well. So we'll explore um, that avenue and see where that goes. But um, I don't think there's been anything significant um, with any clubs about deals and exactly what picks and that sort of thing. But um, definitely Jack, um, as a player, could um, you know, definitely suit what we'd be looking for as, a, as an inside mid that can play some various positions as well. It's been a lot talked in regards to the, the salary cap Dump, mate, and the the truth is somewhere in the middle between what's you know been said and what's reality. But it it would seem that you guys are probably in a good space in the next couple of years to to start to look at what your salary cap 
range is in the next in a bit of underspend in the next couple of years to position yourself going forward with the games into these guys, someone like Bose, you know, as an option. But is that fair assumption? Well, I think, yeah, as an overall TPP, I think potentially, I guess we still don't know what the uh, yeah, is for next, like even next year and, and the year after. So we can do some forecasting in that as we've done. Um, so we think we might be in a healthy position, but you know that also reflects to you know we, we want these players coming through for us and who jumps up and that sort of thing as well. So you're going to reward your own players from there. But until we probably know the exact of what the TPP will be, we can be a bit more pointed with it. But at this point in time, we're probably in a bit more healthy position than what we have been in the past. Speaking with Mark McKenzie, the list and recruiting manager of the Hawthorne Footy Club. Mark, I'll just jump uh, around, bounce a few names uh, around with you for a few moments, if you don't mind. James Warple Warple found himself uh, out of the team quite regularly in in 2022. Is there any prospect of of him seeking a, a new home? No, I wouldn't have thought. Look, Walsh had his um, had his interruptions. When he was actually come back into the team after some strong efforts down at VFL level, he was actually getting his groove back and, and playing well until that shoulder injury. So, uh, no, Warps, uh, hopefully big pre-season for him and, and pretty um, hopefully no more interruptions through injury. The, the move and the decision that's uh, now been made public by Jack Gunston to, to want to continue his career at the, the Lions, um, how's that been received by, by you and, and what will you do potentially in this trade period to, uh, to maybe combat that? Yeah, look, we were keen for Jack to stay, obviously, and um, yeah, the last month was was pretty important for for Jack to just go through the process, get his space, and work out what he wanted to do. But from our end, obviously, you know, what he provides on field and and off field, he's been a star of the footy club, so we're very keen for him to stay. But we're also happy for him. Um, you know, we, we see for him as a, as a lifestyle decision, and um, that's all he can be. As much as we can be a little disappointed that he's not going to remain. Um, with the Hawks, that was the ride through free agency and we, we just wish him all the best and, and we're happy for him just of what he's definitely provided and, and most of all that he's you know happy that that's a decision that he, what he wants to take going forward. Yep. Mark, obviously you won't want to broadcast right right now everything you may be thinking of, of doing in the next uh, two weeks, but just for those Hawthorne supporters listening, if you could just paraphrase just uh, your intent and your, and your club's uh, potential movements, at least in a, in a broad brush perspective uh, over what lies ahead uh, between now and, and Wednesday week. Yeah, we still want to improve um, our draft hand in some way. That's still a process. It's similar to last year, we feel, um, you know, we've got 6 and 24 at this point in time, um, you know, and we want to be around that mark again. So if we can bring in two or three quality players in in, in that area, that'd be great. So that'd be a priority. Um, but we have been pretty pointed, obviously, with Carl coming in to improve that midfield area, and we'll, we'll, be, we'll be open to potentially looking at another one or two, um, being a bit more pointed in that um, in regards to potentially helping us because we don't want to um, just neglect the trade and, and free agency period, but yeah, improve our draft position in some way, um, but also um, be open to, to one or two potentially coming in. Okay. Uh, a couple of other names mentioned and, and, and linked to Hawthorne in, the, in that roundabout way, at least before it all starts officially. Lloyd Meek and, and Fisher Mackesy, anything potentially doing in either of those spaces? Oh yeah, there's definitely some interest in in Lord, as it happens every year with the with the ruck merry-go-round um, from that end. But bottom line, he's, he's a contracted player, so um, that that real sits with Frio from there. We've got some interest. Um, there might be some discussions over the next week and a half, but um, yeah, he's a contracted player from from here, and 
Fisher, no, probably not not from our end um, with Fisher. Yep. And any pull back to WA for for Denver, Granger, Barastas of, of any concern for you at this stage? Uh, no, not at all. I haven't heard anything from that at yep. all. Yep. And Mark, just one before we do let you go and appreciate your, your time today. The, um, the, the mood at the club, uh, given the, uh, as of last Wednesday, the public uh, announcement that the uh, investigation into racism um, had, had reached a, an ugly finding and obviously the, the playing out of that between last Wednesday and, and today. Has it affected anything going on with, with uh, the potential to bring players in or, or move players out? Oh, look, yeah, it's been a, uh, you know, I've viewed those stories uh, last week as well. It was it was definitely tough to read. Um, I understand that the club put out a statement and given there's a process currently with the AFL, it's probably not my area to comment. But um, really from a recruiting point of, point of view at this point, it hasn't, hasn't affected anything. Um, so, yeah, from that, that's all I know from probably our, our recruiting point of view. But, yeah, it was tough to read, but... Um, Obviously, there's a process from there, so probably not my area to comment too much further. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, Mark, uh, thank you, as, as you did uh, last year and, and as others at Hawthorne have done prior to that to uh, joining us on, on the Trade Radio today just to uh, enlighten your supporters as much as anything as to what you, you're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Mark. McKenzie there, the uh, list and recruiting manager of the Hawthorne Footy Club. Normally, uh, when we do have someone from a club on, uh, guys, we'd like to then open the, the lines up. We we won't have that luxury today. We need to take a break. We need to then uh, delve even deeper into this Essendon situation. The uh, the announcement officially yesterday when we were on air that uh, Brad Scott would be the next Essendon coach. Uh, he was unveiled publicly today alongside the the still new chairman, David Barham. And then the story in the in the couple, last couple of hours has been the... The comments publicly of Kevin Sheedy wanting to have James Hurd as coach and, and, and not Brad Scott. Kevin Sheedy being the iconic Essendon figure and currently still an Essendon board member. We need to get all to all of that uh, on the other side of this break. And then we've uh, got to also then clear the decks to speak to the, that new Essendon coach, Brad Scott, in about 15 to 20 minutes time from now. So we'll take that break now on The Late Trade for MEGT. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. A trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. It's already been a very big day on Trade Radio 2022. Carl Amon completing his move to the Hawks. Port Adelaide receives pick 27 as compensation for losing their free agent. Collingwood youngster Ollie Henry officially requesting a move to the reigning Premier's Geelong away from Collingwood. Jordan Degoe has officially signed a five-year deal to stay with the Magpies. Behavioural clauses, we believe, included. And Brad Scott officially unveiled and announced as coach of the Bombers. But surping all of that has been the uh, the news of the past uh, couple of hours of Kevin Sheedy in the Herald Sun going public with his support and his desire to have had James Hurd as coach of the Essendon Football Club and to reveal that he gave his vote of the seven-person Brisbane uh, Essendon Football Club board to Hurd and, and against the appointment of Brad Scott. It's the continuation of the... 
the old Essendon ways. It will not be something that the new chairman, David Barham, at all takes kindly. And as I feel, um, he will be given the opportunity to resign. And I would think if he uh, refuses that opportunity, Dave and, and Soss, that uh, David Barham will have no choice but to actually just remove him from the board. I say that because this is a man who has already removed one president himself. He, he rolled Paul Brasher um, in between rounds 22 and 23 this year. He then sacked the coach, Ben Rutten. He then sacked the chief executive officer, Xavier Campbell. He is promising a United Essendon front, and here we are. Literally an hour after Brad Scott has has taken off the Essendon polo shirt, having just been unveiled at the club headquarters as the new coach of the football club, there is more Essendon dissension in the Bombers' ranks as a result. That That's my take on all of that, and I just can't see a scenario where he's able, or David Barham will tolerate this to being the case, which will again <laughs> cause this football club to splinter as it has for maybe 20 years already. Well, it takes away from the celebration of Scotty, doesn't it, returning to footy. To have a person that was successful in the first tenure, go away, learn, come back in, and now to have, looks like a bit of a dysfunctional type of board, doesn't it, in in that sense. So from all the work that they've tried to do behind the scenes, um, don't know when it was said, maybe contextually it's interesting as to when that comment's actually been made, but yeah, it's not what you'd need. It's, it just feels a bit disruptive. It does. And look, look people say these things and these move on. And, and there's always been an asterisk on, on anything that Kevin Sheedy's ever done, even back to his playing days and, and his early coaching days and then particularly his late coaching days. And then when he's coaching, as you know, Sauce, the team that you once worked with him at GW, there's always something going on with him and everyone moves on. But but the timing of it, to, to Dave's point, an hour after, you know, the press conference he, is finished. He's overseas, isn't he? We believe so, over in the sl- States. He might yeah. have had a sleeping tablet. Or, or he may not have had a sleep. <laughs> one, of, one of those two things has happened, yeah. And he may have had something else as well, Sauce, because it's just bizarre. I mean, you, you couldn't normally do this. and But even by Kevin Sheedy's standards and, and past history, it is pretty extraordinary. No, it is. Um, look, the interesting thing about it, though, is that obviously Kevin was staunch with Dave Barham in, in you know, gaining control of Essendon, the Essendon boardroom. So the way I read it is really Kevin's one of Dave's allies. Mm. And all of a sudden this has happened. Mm. So it's going to be a, a difficult conversation really at the end of the day. It's on a great point you make. He, he, he was the effectively the deciding vote that, that allowed Barham to roll Brasher. And, and that played out before between round 22 and round 23. Uh, as always with Kevin, though, that comes with so a string attached. So this might be the one no ball that they may allow just to go through to the keeper. They can't so, let it go through. So do you think – Let me. <laughs> let's just put a little bit of rigour around this. So the, yeah. the context of I'll give you my vote to get you in as president. Yep. But Heard needs to be the coach. Oh, that's what Kevin would have been thinking. And now, so therefore now, but hang on, he's got to go through a full process. And yep. But by the way, you're now not on the panel. Yes. And so therefore there's a little bit of angst. Yeah. Friction. <laughs> yeah. And the pointed um, decision of, of David Barham to, to bring in not just a, you know, a contemporary of, of Sheedy's, but Robert Wall specifically. So someone who, if you ever want to go and Google that on YouTube or have a have a look, have a look at the confrontation <laughs> those two had on Talking Footy about 25 years ago, whatever it was. It, it's the most powerful fight I've ever seen on TV. They hate each other. And the, the symbolism of Robert Wall's coming in 
appointed by the Essendon Football Club to determine their next coach while Kevin Sheedy sits on the board and isn't asked to play an active role in it. I think uh, we get a reason and a context there how this has happened today. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great narrative for the media, isn't it? It's oh, it's like, beautiful. He, he's provided the, headlines his whole life, and back, here he goes again. Back pocket plumber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> or bloody back pocket plumber, yeah. I think, as, as Tom Hafer used to call him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you've butted heads with him over, over the journey, haven't with you? With who? With, well, when I say butted heads, I mean, you, you, were, you were a target of his when he was coaching teams against you, and you were stopping him in, the, in, their, in their forward sure, line, oh, and, look, and then you work I with mean, him I, at GWS. I've, I, look, I've always had a really good working relationship with Sheets. So that's, you know, as a list manager, he's very supportive, purely because, I mean, at the Giants, we were building a list. So, and it was about re-signing players. And, you know, we were asking, can you play this kid for the next couple of weeks so we can get him signed? So, you know, our, our well, that's that's how we sort of were yeah. able to hold our kids up up at the Giants, that we'd get them signed. And, and we're hoping if we can get them out to four years, we'll, Hopefully they've matured enough and understand where we're heading. Mm. We're after two years or twelve months. You know they're they're homesick and you're not winning. You're getting belted by a hundred points. And he's having weeks. to play kids. In so those, he yeah. he he was instrumental in send, in setting the foundations up at the Giants. So um, I can't. And, and I can't right speak. now he's 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 about breaking down the foundations of the Essendon Footy Club. I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's not ideal. Like you know, and they're going <laughs> to have to they're going to have to work this one out pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's if you remove the the name Kevin Sheedy from this and just said a director has said this, it's a no brainer. He's not he's not walking back into that club as a director again. But because it is Kevin Sheedy, because of the clout he's got and the pull he's got and the 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 favour that he he carries, it's it's um and carries it. it it's just <laughs> again of all the things you, you sometimes. Um, think you might hear and see in, in footy. This is not one of the things I would have thought today within hours of, of the new coach who has gone through the process to be found, identified, chosen, and then publicly unveiled in the Essendon Polo to, to have uh, to have a member, the famous Kevin Sheedy, to then publicly decry the outcome of that decision and, 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 and identify who he wanted. It's, it's extraordinary. So who, who has the call from here? In relation to his position on the board, is it is it the president or is it is it a is it a vote or is it if it was to get to that? Is he, each is he board the, operates differently, doesn't is it? Is he elected or is he appointed? It's a really member? good point. I mean, most most people are appointed these days, mm. and, and he he again, I think they go through the members' vote at the back end of being appointed. But it would be a board decision, I would think. But I, I look, I I would argue that on what my limited knowledge of boards, um, mainly covering football uh, boards, uh, it's untenable. I mean, to, to speak publicly about a decision made and to 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 volunteer even a, a breakdown of a vote, it it, so it, it flies in the face of boardroom. Hypothetically, he's forced to stand down. He's not happy. Mm. Is there a board election at any stage? Any any positions available later on in the year that? He may be able to say, yeah. well, listen, I'll go to the members and it's, let them vote. It's usually AGM time, annual general meeting time. And then if it's not, you can call an extraordinary general meeting. And, and maybe this is part of his, his whole play anyway. But they've got a contract, though, with a new coach. So he's not going to get his man, James Hurd, across. And that new coach is Brad Scott. And right now, we're going to take a, a break because on the other side of it, Brad Scott will join us on The Late Trade. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse.
A lot going on on the late trade for Continental Tires AFL Trade Radio. A massive news day, and we are now very appreciative of the time this this next man is about to give us. We're just setting up the interview uh, off air with uh, with phones, uh, just uh, being sorted out right now to speak to to Brad Scott. He's the the man of the moment. Announced yesterday as coach of the Essendon Football Club, and I've just been given the all clear that he does now join us. Uh, Brad, congratulations and, and thank you for your time on Trade Radio. Thanks, Damien. Pleasure to be here. Brad Scott, comma, Essendon Football Club coach. How does that sound? Oh, it sounds exciting. Um, it's, um, you know, probably you know, if you'd said that six weeks ago, Damien, it would have been um, pretty um, highly unlikely, I would have thought, given but the way fo- the football landscape changes and it and when it changes, it changes rapidly. So uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but uh, it's, um, I think it's a it's a really exciting time for the club, and and hopefully I sold a vision to them, and they sold a great vision to me. So I think it's a really good fit. Yep. If we just go back on the on the timeline, you mentioned six weeks ago, highly unlikely, to, through to today, where it's a it's a lock and, and announced, and, and and obviously very very public. At what stage within that time frame, Brad? What was it that you felt that this was going to be? If it all went down a certain path, a, a really good fit. Well, p- probably um, once I'd uh, committed in my own mind that that coaching was something I wanted to to go back to and. Um, I loved my time at the AFL and I was, you know, I was fully committed to that. And to be honest, when the, the first time Josh Money called to gauge my interest, I, I was up front and just said, look, I, I think it's unlikely because I'm, I'm so wrapped with what I'm doing here in terms of the, the role that I play within the organisation and everything that I'm learning. Um, but, you know, as, as time went on, and I just thought that the time frame wasn't going to work. We were, we were going into a, a final series and I just didn't think that it was right that, the general manager of football of the AFL is is out, you know, talking to another employer during the most important month of the year. So I expected Essendon would probably move on, but they continued their process and, and were prepared to wait for me to enter that process. And once I did and once I, I made the commitment, I was fully in. Brad, Steve Silvani here. Congratulations. Um, did you lean on anyone in making the decision to want to coach again? Not really. I, I I tried to sauce, to be honest. I mean, it would have been nice to have someone to say, "This is what you need to do." But you know, everyone I spoke to, and you know, I'm fortunate. I've got a lot of trusted confidants, and at the end of the day, they all said the same thing, which is only you can decide whether you want to coach again. So, um, you know, the, the the critical thing for me was that, you know, if, my, if I didn't have the full support of my family, I would I wouldn't have put my hand up. And um, it's fair to say that probably took a little bit of time to to get yeah. the, the commitment and the support. But, you know, that I've got that and um, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't have that. Yeah. And what excites you about the Essendon Football Club and, and, and the list there? Well, I think it's the list. I mean, I, I'm, it's depending what happens in trade period, you know, there's a fair likelihood that, that Essendon will be the, the youngest team in the competition next year. Um, you know, it's, it's very, the list is very inexperienced in terms of games played and, if you look at, at the 2022 season, they didn't they didn't start a single game where they had a, a games experience advantage versus their opposition, yeah. and that makes it very difficult for a team to perform consistently. But what we did see is, is glimpses of some some of the capability of of players, albeit probably some inconsistent uh, glimpses. But ultimately, that's what I I love doing. You know, I 
if Essendon had said they, you know, they just want to bring in, um, you know, a whole lot of experienced players and, and you know, it's a one-year rebound, then, you know, I would have said, well, that, that I respect that, but that's not what I think my skill set is. But, you know, we're, we're prepared to build this for the long term and, and we know there's going to be some short-term pain. But we've got an opportunity to, to hopefully bring in some talent, but also develop the talent that's already on this list. And unfortunately, that takes time. But um, I'm certainly invested in, in taking the time it requires, and so is the club. Scotty, it's Nobes. Congratulations. It's great to see you back in the chair, mate. Um, your couple of years in at head office in that management piece, is there something in that skill set that you think you'll be able to take or that you've reflected on from previously and refined in that role, do you think, mate? Yeah, thanks, Nose. I appreciate that. And you're absolutely right. There is. There's, there's plenty. Um, one, you know, my entire adult life prior to going to the AFL, I was, I was at an AFL club, either as a player or an assistant coach or a senior coach. And while that's, you know, I'm incredibly fortunate to have that experience, it's, as you well know, Nobs, it's, it's, you have to have a single-minded approach and you're, you're very narrow in your thinking. Going to the AFL, I really learnt an incredible amount about the broader football ecosystem and, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll be a bit more pragmatic this time going back and, um, you know, and, and hopefully not sweat the small stuff as, as much as I previously did. Uh, last one from me. You spend a bit of time in the analysis, obviously, in there as well, being able to see how the games evolve from a different view. Is there one thing, mate, to, that might you might tweak into your game plan as well? No, I, I, look, I think the, the changes that, that Steve Hocking made were were extremely courageous and have been extremely good for the game. And I think that's a that's reflected in the quality of footy that's been played this year. And, you know, I think that the freeing up of ball movement and... and the, the ability to be able to move the ball in an unbroken chain has, has increased. And, you know, I was, in the game analysis role at the AFL, I, I always had in the back of my mind what I would do if I was in, you know, the coach's shoes again and, and how would we take advantage of this and how would we defend against it. So, yeah, there, there, there are definitely some things that I've looked at that, um, you know, I'm pretty keen to, to bring to this place. Brad, how does it sit with you that Kevin Sheedy wanted James Hurd? That's, oh, I, th- I think it's actually healthy to have debate. Uh, I think it's really important that, that there's a really rigorous process. And to be honest, I know if, if Essendon had said, look, if, if you want to coach, we're, we're going to appoint you without a process, I would have been concerned by that because I think it's really important that there's um, an independent panel that was appointed to, to run a rigorous process and then recommend a preferred candidate to the board. Now, the board ratified that decision, so I'm not privy to the discussions uh, the board had, and if I was privy to those discussions, I wouldn't disclose them. So um, I'm, I'm really uh, comfortable that I've gone through a rigorous process, and that's the outcome. Um, but I think there should be vigorous debate. You know, if, it's, if there's not vigorous debate, then I, I think sometimes you struggle to get to the right result. Yeah, I, I hear you. What you're saying there, and, and I totally get what you're saying. I know where you come from. Um, when you say that you wouldn't disclose publicly information discussed and determined privately, you've now got a director within an hour of you being unveiled in the Essendon Polo as, as, as coach of of the Bombers, going public with the internal uh, deliberations. Does that concern you? An hour into the job, I think there are there are some things that I can control, and that's. Um, almost 100% uh, 
the football department and the football program. And the commitment that, that Essendon have given me is that, that I'll have autonomy in the football department. I'll be able to build uh, a program that we aim to be a world-class football program. And that's my focus. And oh, there's a lot of things that I can't control. And I think once a coach starts to step out of his lane and start to, starts to get involved in things that, you know, uh, are quite frankly above his level, then I think we get into trouble. So, um, yeah, I, I understand the question and I think you know, there, there will be some people who are concerned, but my focus is just on footy and I'll let the powers that be take care of the rest. Yeah. Logistically, when do you start? How's it look? Uh, what do you want to even do in the, in the next uh, 10 to, to 12 days, given the, the trade period opens up? You're in charge. Well, I'm at the hangar now, um, sitting in my new office. So it's um, it's uh, day one, and you know we've got a lot of work to do. And and you know the most important thing for me is to to invest time with the people. And you know, that's difficult with the players mostly on leave, uh, but but some are still around. And um, you know, I've met most of the coaches and most of the administration, and 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 we just had a a long uh, list management discussion. So that's clearly timely given. Uh, everything kicks off on Monday. Well, congratulations, and, and we really appreciate you. you're on a tight schedule. Uh, you've got a few commitments to, to uh, sign off on uh, this afternoon. We appreciate you. you've jammed about 15 minutes uh, of your time into into our time today. Uh, congratulations. I, I know how uh, how exciting it must be, given um, given uh, you've always had that in the back of your mind, the possibility about going back, and this time round, it's, uh, it's with a club with considerable resource behind it. I appreciate your time too. Thanks a lot, guys. New Essendon coach Brad Scott. I think it's as, as sound a decision that that club uh, could have yeah. made in the in the in all circumstances to to give him his second chance as a coach in in light of what they uh, did and in, in light of the process they went through. I, I think it's an outstanding yeah, choice. Yeah, I, I agree. The fact that second time round and you know he he's taken a step out of club environment and as he said, um, all his adult life before entering the AFL head office was at a club club level. So, um, you know, so that would have been a big change of his thinking. Yeah. Um, so oh, I think they've got a good, a good coach and, and someone who, who would have that determination to succeed. Yep. Yeah. And, and the rounding out, and you touched on it, Nobs, with the exposure to the competition from that, that helicopter yep. vantage point, looking down on it, all 18 clubs, all the, the toils of the struggling clubs, the benefits of the, you know, the wealthier clubs, the, the, the the flaws in the system, I mean, he, he's now got a, an awareness of all of that and, and he can now then package that up and just devote it all into the one pursuit of, of a club that's got resource behind it, which he didn't have yep. the first time around. The characteristics of clubs vary. This is a big club. He needs that broader skill set to be able to manage those issues at times that he needs to call Dave and say, listen, we've got an issue here, deal with it, and then get on with his coaching and not have to get caught in the minutiae of that area. Um I think it's a great appointment, right place, right time, right person. Um, six weeks ago, maybe he didn't think about it, but when he sits back and actually, you know, commits to the time poor that you're going to be, the development, the conversations, the effort and the intensity that you need, I think you'll do really well. And, and a big club coming with a, one of the biggest names in the history of the game, um, making comments that he wasn't <laughs> his preferred choice uh, only hours after it being made uh, Official again, that won't worry Brad. I mean, again, no. we asked him, and, and he answered he, it really well, didn't very he? cleverly. Like it's, it's 
<laughs> it's not his decision. I would imagine, without wanting to put words in his mouth, if he's asked what should happen, I think I would know how he would respond privately. <laughs> but publicly, it's David Barham's issue. But that's the learning. That's the learning. That's the yeah. learning. Saying, well, I'm here now as a, as a mm. more mature person. It's yeah. like, get on with it, deal with that. I'm going yeah. ahead this way. I just think second time round to coaching. You just – the fact that he has had quite a bit of time away from coaching – I'm sure over those years he would have reflected on, geez, like, if I had my time over again, I probably would have adjusted myself here, would have done this a little bit differently. Um, so I think that's a huge advantage. Mm. Um, and and as I said, the fact that he was in at AFL House and dealing with a whole range of people, you yeah. know, where coaching, it's sure you've got, you're dealing with all types of players from different backgrounds, but it's quite specific in terms of game day and, and, and whatnot. So... Um, yeah, so all the best to Brad. Yeah, and becoming the uh, for the second, to, the fourth um, current member of that famous Brisbane Lions uh, yeah. premiership winning outfit of obviously Chris Scott winning the most recent grand final, uh, Craig McRae entering the coaching ranks this year, and Michael Voss, like Brad Scott, getting a second chance at coaching at Carlton as of the start of this year. So four of them from that famous um, history, legacy-shaping era as, as Brisbane Lions now. Back in, the same time, the system of AFL coaches. Let's take a break. Uh, this is The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your best workforce with megt.com.au and Chemist Warehouse, INC Sports Nutrition, powering tomorrow, today. Available from Chemist Warehouse. More Trade Radio shortly. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. We're going to open the uh, talkback line up. I should have done so before going to the ad break. one 5548. We'll take your calls for a uh, a period of time here on the late trade for MEGT. Um, guys, we, we haven't got round to uh, the Dugowie situation. Jordan Dugowie signing officially, announcing publicly the uh, decision of his to to stay with Collingwood for, for five seasons, uh, fending off the uh, the late approach from Essendon, fending off the, the sustained approach of the uh, St Kilda Footy Club. Good on him. He's done a terrific job. He's been able to negotiate himself into the market. Um, I think we talked about a couple of days ago. I think he's he's handled himself quite well, I think, in the latter part of the year. I don't know what's gone on internally, but certainly the way he played, you know, keep your nose clean, stay out of trouble, like, and just just go about your business and let's work on what that looks like. It's um, Yeah, I think it's great for Collingwood. I think, as I said, you know, a couple of days ago in my review, they're closer with him, there's no doubt, in yeah. that team. Yeah, no doubt. It's good to wrap it up too, isn't it? Um, from a Collingwood perspective, I mean, they, they can now um, have a look at what they want to do uh, with comfort, knowing that they've yep. got the one that they just had to and, and, and couldn't afford to lose. If they want to have aspirations, which they clearly do, of going uh, one step greater next year, I, I don't think there was any doubt that he wanted to stay at Collingwood because all, all it got back to was a a clause in the contract. Mm. So he he obviously wanted to play there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that 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 was a good result, um, and you know, as as Nob said, had they lost him, I think they might have slipped back a, a yeah, couple of yeah. pegs yeah, um, because he's just 
he's he's a he's a big game player. Yep. And he's just so damaging, and he just excites that Collingwood crowd when he's up and going. Yeah, yep. Should, shouldn't underestimate. I reckon righties Graham Wright's role in this as the GM yep. to smooth things out. Say, take a couple of days, let's sort things thing, thing through, and let's get it done. So that's what you need at this point in time. A very level and sure head, isn't he, uh, yep. Graham Wright? Uh, we've got a few minutes to take your calls. One uh, three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. Nick has jumped on that line from Bendigo. Hi, Nick. How you going, lads? Good, mate. I just want—I just wanted to talk about Kevin Sheedy. Um, as an Essendon member, I've got to say it's pretty disappointing. In what should have been a pretty positive day for the club to to read what he's come out and said, and and just just to um, clarify, he, he's actually an elected member of the board, so he was elected by the members. They they parachuted him in um, to replace somebody last time into one of our member elected slots. Um, so I think in terms of him being turf from the board, I think he has to voluntarily stand down, which so I think reading most of the uh, members online, I reckon most of us wanting to, to do that by the, by the end of tomorrow. Really? Yeah, okay. Which is a surprise in itself, given the, the love of Kevin Sheedy and the, the feeling that he's always had he could do whatever he pretty much wanted, uh, hence those comments today and think he can get away with it. But look, I, I appreciate the clarity around that, that Nick, in terms of the membership uh, vote, but I, I can't imagine where... Um, the chairperson of the board and David Barham has made some pretty tough calls and just decided to lock people anyway in his short time at the club. I couldn't see why he wouldn't have the power as chairperson to uh, at least put that in motion um, as early as I would say this afternoon. I mean, it's, 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 it's untolerable what, what has happened here from a boardroom perspective at the highest levels of, um, of corporate governance in, in Australia, let, let alone one at a, at a footy club, which is obviously a few tiers below those uh, reporting um, mechanisms. But, Nick, thank you for your call. Let's head to Glen Orkey now, where uh, the Bombers stay on the uh, on the menu when Zane joins us. Hi, Zane. Uh, g'day, boys. Um, with Jack Bowes, I was just thinking maybe if, if you're in Essendon's position, you should really be chasing him more than what I've heard we have been because we've got the cap space there and we could get that pick seven, which would get us another young gun on the list. Yeah, I, I like it. The, the fact that they've got a coach now would make, you know, the ability to get um, Jack in front of a coach and the Essendon Football Club makes it a lot easier. Um, but you're exactly right. Um, the, the Bombers have got cap, uh, cap space and, you know, to, to get um, a Bose into that team who, who who's a solid player. Like, he's he's no slouch. So when he's up and going, he, you know, he, he I think he'd be in that Essendon 22 but to also the possibility of getting pick seven and another youngster through the door. I'm sure, um, you know, Brad Scott would certainly look at that and um, take it into consideration. Yep. Thanks for your call, Zane. Uh, we've got a text message before on the uh, text line, which is 0419 The initials here on this text are AG. Really good point that AG makes. Uh, seven players who played in the 2004 Grand Final will be senior coaches next year. There's obviously the the Brisbane Lions quartet of, uh, of uh, Michael Voss, Craig McRae and Chris and Brad Scott. You've got... Damien Hardwick at Richmond, Stewie Jew at, at Gold Coast, and the recent addition to the, the coaching ranks of, of Adam Kingsley at, at GWS. Uh, without knowing the history of the game um, at the top of my head, uh, I can't imagine there being seven players from the, the one grand final um, operating as coaches after it. I, there may have been some of those famous Hawthorne teams in the 
eighties uh, where a lot of them spun out as as, as coaches um, at some stage, but that would be the only year I would have thought where it might have happened. Yeah, there'd also be a few assistants or assistant coaches Heaps. in that group, or yeah. people involved at a club level. Mm. Where was Ken Hinckley at that stage too? Was he was he at Port Adelaide as an assistant at that stage, or was he um, in 04? I'm unsure, but yeah. but um, Chad Corns. Chad Corns uh, played in that in that uh, grand final win. Yeah, Ruffy was. Did he play? No, that was the wrong. No, not, not Hawthorne. Not Hawthorne. No. Yeah, 2004 being the Port yeah. Adelaide yeah. Uh, securing of, of their um, premiership in, in that particular year. Let's take a break. Sauce uh, on each and every – actually, we might just take one more quick call. Uh, Richard has uh, rung in from Sydney. G'day, Richard. G'day, lads. Um, big Crows fan. I'm just wondering if the Gold Coast are giving away bows essentially for, for free and throwing in that pick. Is there any way that Adelaide – could actually say, look, we'll take Rankin, we'll take Bowes, we'll hold on to our pick five, and you guys actually hold on to your pick seven? I was thinking about that this morning, Richard. I, there is some element that you could actually slide those picks around a little bit without the Crows, you know, completely not having a first-round pick. It'd have to be... I think it'd come back to their cap space, um, be one thing, and then I think... And this is where I think you've got, got to have clarity going into a trade period with what roles you're looking for players to play. If Matt Crouch is playing, where does Bose fit in? Rory Sloan coming back from injury. So if he's not in the planning, whilst seven's attractive, you have to be really clear. Mm. If you want the pick, then go after Bose. Yep. Because the pick comes with it. And, yep. and the other thing you've got to take into consideration too is your planning 12 months out yep. to think, okay, these are our possibilities for next year, whether they're free agency, a young a young South Australian player that might want to come home. So it's about freeing up that, that cap space for the following For that moment, yeah. yeah. And and you've Sosa, already made um, comment on, on radio today, this year, that, that next year's draft, by your reckoning and from what people are telling you, may be a better batch of kids than, than collectively than yeah. this year. My understanding is, and I haven't seen the crop coming through, and I, to be honest, I'm, I'm not over the top of what, what's coming through this year, but um, next year's draft supposed to be um, quite talented. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, you know, teams, whether it's on, on, on draft night, might be trading their first round picks out if they can, or it could be done during this trade period right now. So um, so most clubs would be trying to get maybe in to this draft, maybe the top four or five, six players are, of that top end stuff. So how deep that goes, I'm uncertain, but um, we'll know in, in, in over the next sort of 10 days. Yep. Richard, thanks for your call. Uh, Sauce, each and every day on The Late Trade, you um, dissect an issue that is put to you. It's done under the guise of philosophical, and we're going to be doing it next, and we'll be continuing the, the theme of the, the draft pick conversation. You've got a few about the uh, the number one pick in this year's draft being held by North Melbourne. What could happen with it? How it could be used? And we'll do that next on The Late Trade. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. It's time to get philosophical with Stephen Silvani. AFL Trade Radio's local expert. Become a local expert. Get leads, run your business and improve your cash flow from one app.
It's always a feature of The Late Trade when Stephen Silvani gets philosophical, as we uh, just heard. It's AFL Trade Radio's local expert. Become a local expert. Get leads. Run your business. Improve your cash flow from one app. Today's philosophical, Stephen Silvani. And Nobes, as always, jump in whenever it is you, uh, you see fit. The number one pick, 2001. Fremantle and Hawthorne exchange. Luke Hodge became the number one pick. Trent Crowe went to the Dockers, was to then go back to Hawthorne after that. But let's talk about the number one pick. Uh, I think every year it's discussed in some form, and the question is asked of whoever holds the number one pick, what would it take for us to get involved in a conversation about it? North Melbourne, for the second consecutive year, SOS has number one in this year's upcoming national draft. They obviously chose to, to keep it last year, used it on Jason Horn Francis, what will, in your eyes, be potentially at play right now when it comes to the North Melbourne number one pick going into this year's draft? I, I, I think if you've got the number one pick, you're looking for two early first round picks. Now, whether that's in this year's draft or one in this year's draft, one in next year. And How early? Oh, look, definitely you, you, one of them needs to be probably in that top five, top six, and, and, and then the next one's still in the top ten. Um, but that's where you've got to be careful because whoever you're trading with, that if you've gone for a future pick, you want to make sure that it's relatively a certainty that it's going to be in that top 10, that it doesn't sort of float out to 16, 17. So, and that more or less tells you that there'd be probably something else involved in, in, in all of it. But um, I'd be interested to talk today because, I mean, we generally, when I was at Carlton, we had our we had the number one pick several times and there was a year that we were certainly considering, um, um, you know, trading that first pick. But Do you recall we, which year that was? Yeah, that was a Walsh year when we obviously rated Walsh year, but we knew That was that, the famous draft. That, that, yeah. that might be judged in history as, yeah. as the greatest, 2004, 2001 yeah. maybe, but yeah. th- that one would be in the conversation. Yeah, so, so we knew, you know, we wanted two picks inside six, five, six. Yeah. Um, and so if we could get two in there, we were we – were, um, really going to consider doing that. Did trade. you engage uh, meaningfully at all at, at that period? Oh no, we we had conversations, and um, but um, there was a reluctancy from clubs, you know. And, and one of the clubs at the time, I think it was Gold Coast, had a couple of picks in there. I think they ended up getting Rankin, Lacocious, and um, Ben King. They got the yeah, that was that, the Kings draft as well. Yeah. So yeah. you yeah. see the quality of players, yes. you know, there and. Max King was in that draft and Rosie was in that draft. So there was plenty. You mm. knew the depth was yeah. in that draft. So if you could trade, you know, one pick for a couple of picks, knowing that you were right in that slot yep. of, of quality players, you'd certainly look at it. You obviously had a say in keeping the number one pick last year mm. from a from North perspective. And, yep. and in previous existences of yourself yep. at football clubs, um, have you ever gone close to exchanging a, a number one pick, or either one you've got or wanted? Um, no, n- never had the option that we had last year with being involved in number one pick, but always willing to split. I've always been an advocate for the split. I think that the picks are a bit overvalued, to be honest, at times. Um, North pick this year, I would absolutely split it, 100%. And the reason being... 100%. The, you're not going to get the best kid in the country. You the, get the best get kid in the country is Will Ashcroft. Ashcroft. So yep. you're not getting number so, one. So, so you actually you weigh that you actually, into you. So yeah. the way I look at it, you yeah. got pick two. Okay. So split pick two and take as many picks as you can. North don't have a second round this year. They look, if they get Griffin Logan, they, they traded that second. out with the Callum Coleman Jones. That's right. Yep. So therefore you've got a bit of dearth in there in regards to picks going forward that they need to stock up. So 
I would grab that pick and try and split it as many ways as I can to get as much talent yeah. coming through. That that would be that's my thought process. But yeah, I'm always an advocate for rolling and getting something. Extra. So, so Dave, last year with Horn Francis, who yep. obviously went number one pick. So take take the player out of it, just the pick. Yeah. Did you have it on the table to say, well, let, let's see what value there is for that particular pick? We were we were interested in what people had to say, yeah. I'm yep. not sure that we were 100% saying it's available, mm. but, you know, Crows were certainly yep. keen on yeah. putting something together. Richmond sort of threw something at us in regards to yep. um, CJ. So, I mean, it probably just didn't feel like it got enough value for us at that point yep. in time. Well, so we were the same in the Walshie. Like, yep. we, we, we love Walshie, you know, yep. so... Um, but it was just more to see what else was out there yes. because you just never know what. Yeah. Someone might have thrown a, a, a third, another might have been three first round picks in there, and you go, mm. "Well, we've got to do this deal," yeah. you know. Yeah. But it was just more to know, you know, what what value does it hold, and can we do something? You've mm. got to look at all the options yeah. and then come back and go, "What makes sense?" Mm. Yeah, and it's easy for me to sit here and say, "Yeah, I hundred percent would do it." The yeah. other thing is that, but North had the first pick last year as well. So therefore, if you get a third pick and then you get a future pick five or you get pick 10 and pick three. So in the last two years, you have pick one, pick three, pick 10. Mm. It's actually pretty good going. Yeah, spread it out too. Yeah. So just on the, the the points that are now allotted to each draft pick, and, and Sos, you know this space better than, than anyone I know. So number one pick is is worth 3,000 points. Yep. Um, to just do some really quick maths, if you just to use it on, on a points comparison um, – Pick uh, let's go let's go with pick say seven is worth sixteen hundred and forty four and and pick eight is worth fifteen hundred and fifty one so again let's just talk in broad brush numbers that's about the that, that that's just slightly more than the equivalent of of a first round pick picks uh, if you were to package up pick seven and eight that that that's that's actually worth more points than the number one pick you wouldn't do it for that though would you I wouldn't have thought you, no, wouldn't, you wouldn't give no. up pick one I mean, to I, get pick seven well, and eight I. I I don't get I don't get carried away with the points. That, that, that's Other people me. do. Yeah, they, they do, but that's that can be used as a negotiating tool and all sorts of things. Really, I, you, you've got to look at that drafting what that, question. What talent pool is yep. there? Because it it can fall away or it can be it can be mm. quite deep. So it's about knowing. Okay, this is where this is our 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 main area or where where, where the, the the high talented pool starts and finish. And then it can drop away. So if it fits within that range, yep. um, you know, because history will tell you that there's been plenty of kids taken that, that have been down. taken further down that end up being the stars of the competition. Yeah. You know, so it's just about knowing where the talent is and and how deep it goes. There's such a mindset, I think, in AFL too, of the person or the people in control of the picks. Um, almost reluctant to take the risk because of the judgment that comes with it instantly, which is yeah. I've never got my head around. I know we we rate um, drafts and rate trade periods, don't we, on the run, but you, yeah. can, you can't do it for five years on the track, really. But but you're forever going to be beholden to the outcome of both the giving up the pick and the players that are part of the exchange. And just the way we work in this game, I, I don't think we move on enough like they do in the States. They just either get it right or get it wrong, but either way they move on. We, we revisit, don't we? Yeah. We, we? We assess it at the time, we critique at the time, we, we judge at the time, and then we do forevermore. Different methodology in the States. They come out of college, they're a bit more mature. Mm. There's probably less risk. They're coming out of high school almost here, uh, <clears throat> and it's unusual for the, mm. the States picks to have um, 
college, um, high school picks. Yeah. Well, they, they're men, aren't they? Yeah. And so yeah. what they do is they order up the role or the position that they feel is their first priority, and then they order their players within that role. So if they're after a running back, they don't care whether the first running back is picked value, um, as in talent-wise, is the 100th player. If he's the best player in that role and they need, need to fit yeah. that, they'll take him. But that's yeah. their philosophy. That's and their philosophy. Yeah. But, but, but they'll also trade out Correct. knowing that, you know, what well, we can get this kid back here. Yeah. So yeah. we know that, you know, that, that, that the first six, seven teams might want a quarterback and a yeah. wide receiver, but we want the we want the running back knowing, well, we can trade out and we might have a pick at pick two. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to trade yeah. out. Whereas the mentality, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more in, in AFL – Take the best player you can at that point. I think it's shifted. Do now, you? Yeah. Now that I think the first five, six, ten picks are pretty well take the best talent. You take it to that point. And now that we've got trading, live trading on the night for draft, it is for me. There's still a now capacity for you to actually draft for needs as well. So if you feel like there's someone there, um, and Sauce was probably in that role a bit longer than I was. If there's someone there at pick fifteen, and you think you might be able to get him at twenty, and you can roll out of that and get another pick. Going forward into the future, you take that risk. I, th- I think um, just over my experience in that, you probably tend to do that with some later picks. Yeah. Like your first pick, you probably go, you know, let's just pick the best player. But as as the night goes on, you, you may group, yep. you know, certain players. Um, but just just in regards to the picks, uh, it's really interesting because you know a lot can be determined on where where your list is at and yeah. where your club's at and Correct. how much pressure they're under. Okay, this has been one off year. We can do a bit with that pick. Maybe we can split that pick, get two first rounders and all that type of stuff. So there's a lot that goes in it, you know. So, um, But, yeah, as we said, I think there's a possibility that that first round um, or that p- first pick could be traded this all year. All right, if you were the person in charge at North, and I don't know who is it in charge in the North recruiting at the moment, Sauce, but if you were... What would you do? Would you would you do it? Would you split it? With with the information I've got on the actual draft at the moment, and and, and the talent pool at the top end, and I'm not completely across it. So. And factoring in what Dave just said and, about yeah. obviously uh, Will Ashcroft yeah. already being out of reach. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be I'd be certainly looking at trying to get best value for that pick. For that pick, yeah. All right. Um, just another historical part of this conversation. We referenced the 2001 Hawthorne um, Fremantle exchange with which. Obviously unearthed and, and unlocked Luke Hodge for Hawthorne via Trent Crowe being transacted. Also 1992, West Coast, uh, Scott Waters and Begovic to Sydney for pick one, which uh, was ultimately uh, Banfield. Drew Banfield was the uh, result out of that transaction. That was, as always, Phyllis Sossigul with Stephen Silvani, AFL Trade Radio's local expert. Become a local expert, get leads, run your business, improve your cash flow from one app. Let's get your take on uh, what David Noble and Stephen Silvani just spoke about there, the possibility of splitting the the picks and whatever else it is you want to talk about today. It's been a very busy time for us on the late trade. There is so much going on, mostly at the Essendon Football Club, but also with Collingwood retaining officially Jordan Dugowie. Whatever you want to talk about, one 23 48 We'll take your calls next. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. Taking your calls on The Late Trade for MEGT, one 48 A lot going on this afternoon. We're wading through it as, as best we can and 
We're also going to have a chat to uh, David Noble about a particular issue in a few moments' time. There's a development in the the Hawthorne racism investigation, which we'll get to in a a few moments' time as well. But we did call for uh, your calls on 1300 23 55 48. So that's where we will now go, and specifically to Caulfield, where James has called in. Hi, James. Hey, guys. Um, I know the Cats are linked with these um, three younger players, but um, could you give us some insight into them? And um, just in what order you think the catch should target each player. And I'd love to see if you guys line up the same with your opinions or if they are different. Which which three players you're talking about? Well, we got the GWS boy. So J- Jack, the, Jack Bowes, uh, you're talking about there. Um, Ollie, um, yeah. Ollie Henry and, and Tanner Bruin. Is that the, they're the three you're referring to, James? That's just before three. we let these boys loose yeah. on those uh, the order of those guys? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, look, they're all... All uh, relatively early picks. So uh, Bruin played a couple of really good games this year and probably uh, starved at um, getting a go in that midfield, but certainly got some talent. Um, Henry, yeah, I- I'm just not too sure the Pies will let him him leave the football club. I know he's got a year to go. So, But if the Cats get him, certainly an exciting um, young prospect playing up forward. And Jack Bowes, um, once again, um, Pretty early selection, I think a top 10 selection, um, has had some injuries over the last 12, 18 months, can really play, particularly off half-back as well. Um, and it's, there's something about Geelong when they get a play from another club. They develop really, really well and, and they just fit into their they, – they, they target a specific type player. And, and there he goes left at the door. Yeah, that's... yeah, pretty much, and they play team footy. Yeah. James, thanks for your your call. That they're they're they're, um, they're always playing in this space somewhere, and they they just create magic out of whatever it is they do. And, and those three names are are going to be uh, prominent. Um, the Ollie Henry one is the one that interests me out of all of that. Given the um, I'm surprised that Collingwood has sort of got in itself into a situation where this is even a possibility. Given um, he actually helped win matches this year, didn't he? Yeah. As, as recently oh. as this year. Now I know he was out of the team by the time the finals came around, but. After he had the yips on that one particular round, he responded immediately with four goals the next week, and I think he kicked three in a match not long after that. It's I, I, I haven't watched him closely, but I mean the, the little bits I have, he's certainly got a lot of talent and only a youngster. So mm. what's he been at the club for two years? Two years. Two yeah. years. So I would think the, the the fact that he is contracted, I, I would think that the Pies would be reluctant to trade him. He's definitely but, contracted. Yeah, he's got a year to go, hasn't he? Has he got a year to go? You might just check that. Uh, I might be wrong. Yeah, we might just check that. I, I, I thought he was out, but again, don't hold me to that. We'll check yeah. it on, on the run. Uh, thanks for your call. We'll go to uh, Alwood now where uh, John can, wants to continue the, the talk on uh, on that person, Ollie Henry. Hi, John. How are you going, guys? Yeah, I just wanted to see what sort of value you put on him now. Well, I think Collingwood took him at pick 17 and he's had two years in the system and shown a lot of potential. So is he worth more than that now? Uh, Sauce, I'll get you to answer that. But as I do, we just have had confirmation he is out of contract. He's out of contract. Out of contract. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's if I was going to say he was in contract, I reckon it's more value. Yeah, um, I agree. But, look, uh, generally once they're out of contract, they get to the club they want to get to. So you would think somewhere about where he got picked. Um, but then again, if the draft falls away, um, I would think the Pies would might want something a little bit higher. There's some exposed form already that, that I would think would, would put him ahead of some kids in that yeah. 15, 16, 17 bracket. I mean, you, you know we're going to get to a point, don't you, having seen him at the highest level? Also, it depends on what picks you've got. You know, a club can say, well, we think he's worth a top 10 pick. Yep. Geelong got pick 18. 
they're saying, well, you know, yep. might be pick 18 and swap around some picks in the back end. So, um, so yeah, so Dave, it's really interesting with the Jack Bowes situation. That's pick seven would certainly help them mm. get all their, um, to, to get Hopper through the door, to get Tarrant through the door, to get Henry through the door, and even Bruin. You would think that the Cats would be into someone like Bowes so they can get seven through the door. Well, yep. We know Hawthorne are into him. There was no denial from Mark. It, so. There wasn't. The, the question you asked uh, of Mark McKenzie, Sosa out of left soft. field, yeah. got a got a very big bite. Yeah. Uh, John, thanks for your call. Let's go to Jack now in Kununurra. Hi, Jack. G'day, guys. Hey, one for you, Soss. Hey, um, Liam Stocker just been delisted. Um, I know you moved up to grab him. Is there any talk of him being able to get a second chance somewhere? Um, I'm unaware. Um, I'm not too sure. Uh, so he may, whether he gets, well, he's delisted. So whether they just get through this trade period, so they don't have to trade for him. Once you're delisted, you're a delisted free agent for life. So whether that opportunity comes a little bit later on in the year or whether he gets a train on spot to see what he can do over the preseason. So, um, we'll wait and see. I'm, I'm the least expert in this. I'd be staggered if he's not in the club list next year, Jack, for what it's worth. Um, David, I think you're a pretty big fan too, aren't you? Yeah. I, we, we, I think we were talking off-air when we were, were wrapping him up, or you were wrapping him yeah. up the other day. Can you tell Jack in Katanara what you think of Liam Stocker? Yeah, well, I just he's just got football um, knowledge. He's got the footy chip, um, and I think those guys are invaluable. They might take a little bit long to sort of, it's a bit like sometimes those guys are a little bit more like your tall, so just take a little bit of time to find their feet. Sometimes it's about finding the right game style that actually suits you as well. Um, but yeah, I, I would be staggered that, and he's free. Yeah, you know, he's absolutely free now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could even, he wouldn't want to, and I, and I hope for his sake he's not, but there's a rookie list option for him, isn't there, as yeah, well? Um, right at absolutely. the end of it all, as, as, almost as an afterthought. Yeah. But I'd be staggered, Jack, if he's not on a list in some form next year as a rookie at the very least. Uh, thank you for your call. Let's go to David now in WA. Hi, Dave. G'day, boys. How are you going? Well, mate. Uh, just a quick one on Brizzy. So they've got a lot of work to do. Um, the current draft hand, I think, for this year is about... 2,100 points. If a bid comes at Ashcroft at pick one, that's 3,000 I think they need to find, and then they need to find that again for Jasper Fletcher, and then they've got to do some sort of back room stuff to get Josh Dunkley in the door. I just don't know how they're going to get it done. They've got a lot of work to do with what is a pretty slender 2022 draft set. I'd just be interested to get your thoughts on what they can do to get it done. Yeah, it's a really good point you raised, David. Just on the notations we've got from our producers here at Trade Radio, their, their total um, value of, of picks uh, tallies 2,086, beginning with pick 15 as it stands. So you're quite right. I mean, if, if North was to bid on Will Ashcroft, and, and we don't know if they will or, or choose not to for other reasons, but if they do, there's 3,000 straight away. So they're 1,000 short of needing, of needing to match that already. Um, but, but, as we know, you can go into futures and deficits, can't you? But they also get a discount. They get a discount of twenty percent of their on their father's sons, right? So I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. yeah. So say he was bidded at say first pick, which is three thousand points. Yep. They've got to find. Um, they get a twenty percent discount. It's two thousand four hundred points. Okay. And also, you've got McStay going. You get a compo pick for that, whether that's end of first or a second. And unless they uh, choose not to with the Gunston incoming, yep. where the, where that would cancel itself out, and, so, we, and we don't yet have an answer on that. So what yep. you'll you, what you'll find is that that'll be a trade. Yep. There'll be a swap of picks, no compo compensated or interfered with, 
And if they take both, they've got pick seven. Yep. So that might mean that the Hawks will be in close discussion with – no, I've got that wrong because I was thinking Bose was coming out of Brisbane, but he's coming, coming out of Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Yeah. Yeah. But as, as you ascertained and, and got the answer out of Mark McKenzie, they are clearly the Hawks interested in in Bose and, and the pick seven that comes with it. Got David, of, it's got one of the smartest list managers, I reckon. Dom Ambrojo will be able to do and work those numbers with Steve Canole really well. There you go. There you go. Uh, David, thank you. Um, and you've, you've identified a, a, a complex issue which will be played out in the next uh, next couple of days. Uh, let's go to Nick now in South Australia. Hi, Nick. Yeah, g'day, mate. How you going? Well, mate. Yeah, I was just uh, following up on that previous cut sound that just rang up, and I was wondering, the one name he didn't name was Conor McKenna. I was just wondering if they're going to get him. Yeah, he's certainly been linked there, Nick. And again, given given everyone's endorsement, um, even rivals' endorsement of, of Geelong's ability to to just make people feel at home, the um, the country component to the club, which I I refer to because uh, Matt Randall yesterday um, identified it as being a key to what they've been able to do. Thirty people on their list, on their playing list, are, are from country regions of Australia. Um, I just raise that. I mean, the the, the Irish experiment that that is um, the AFL, it doesn't always work. And sometimes it's the big city that actually um, factors in adversely for some of these people. And and again, you're right in raising his name. He certainly has been linked. I don't have any extra information on it at the moment other than, yeah, uh, going back as far as even before the grand final, um, guys, he was a possibility in in a strong Mm. sense if he was to – to want to re-explore, which he does, an AFL career, that it was going to be the Cats as, as a front runner for the initial conversations. The two clubs that, for me that fit for him are um, Geelong and Sydney. For, for, for the out-of-Melbourne reasons? Yeah, yeah. And, and role play. So, you know, I think what Scotty has been able to develop down there, and we've sort of seen it, is that advancement of the roles and playing your role. I think they work hard for each other. Sydney are very much the same. Interesting, they were both in the grand finals. But I think he would fit either of those two clubs in playing a very specific role for, for the team. Yep. And obviously the, the, the Irish connection and, and Zach Tui's always been an influencer anyway, yep. um, being on the books already along with Mark O'Connor, who has played also in the past two grand finals for the Cats, uh, one winning, one losing. Ty Canelli. Ty Canelli at the Swans being the connection there. So, uh, yeah, Nick, um, look, his name, we'll, we'll get some clarity around it in the next uh, week and a half. Wednesday week is when this uh, entire exchange period does conclude thanks for your calls there we'll open up the lines again um not too far from now but we'll uh, we'll shut them down just for the moment we'll take a break and on the other side of it sauce we're going to hit uh, hit up david noble with a, a few questions aren't we Ooh. we've got, we've, got to, we've we're hearing something we're hearing something <laughs> we want to hit him up he knows what's coming we're not going to ambush him but we'll uh, we'll talk to david noble about matters footy next on afl trade radio the Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. The Brutal Truth for Plantation Homes. Save up to 75% on energy bills with a solar-powered, all-electric Plantation Home. Welcome back to Continental Tires AFL Trade Radio. Stephen Silvani, David Noble, Damien Barrett with you. Uh, Dave, what are you doing next year? Damo, I'm not sure actually at the moment. I've um, taken a bit of time to just, you know, reflect and learn a bit of skills, going back to do a bit of study and just having a generally a good look around at the moment. What are you studying? 
law. How, how far deeply into this uh, particular course are we? <laughs> Three weeks. Okay. It's hit me right between the eyes. Might be a couple of footy clubs right now. We need some uh, legal advice oh, yeah, on, a, on quite a few fronts. It's in enterprise governance, so it's um, it's quite challenging at the moment. All so. right. So I ask that because you've only just recently – have you completed the St Kilda footy – or your role in the St Kilda footy club review? That's done and dusted? Yep. Yep. Yeah, finished. Had our last meeting last week, and um, I don't think I'll have a further role to play in that. I had a quick chat to Andrew Bassett early in the week and Lethers and just, yeah, thank them for including me um, the way they did in the review. Yep. The reason I ask this, and, and Sauce will jump in in a moment too, is there's a, a vacancy at the AFL <laughs> – Come on, you bikes. A reasonably senior position that's been vacated by Brad Scott, who yesterday was officially revealed as the new Essendon Football Club coach, uh, formerly now, formerly now, head of football at the AFL. CV stacks up pretty well, Dave. It does, Thanks, don't Are you going to make a call yourself? Or are you hoping to receive one? Don't know. My phone's, uh, they got my number. If they want to have a ring, I'm happy to probably have a chat. But I, I'd imagine it would appeal. Yeah, well, look, it's it's a an interesting role, you know. It's a an opportunity to help, you know, advance the game and help clubs, you know, that are out there with certain areas. I'm not even quite sure the breadth of Scotty's role. Um, you know, Tassie coming in, you know, telepathways, <laughs> you know, all, all that area of, is um, areas of the game that I've had some involvement or involvement with, you know, whether through New South Wales or Queensland and. Be great to see Tassie get up and get a license. So yeah, but overall, I'm not sure what I'm doing. So when you go in for the interview, Dave, <laughs> will you wear the blue suit or the grey suit? <laughs> I think blue. <laughs> I think blue, and a fairly low key tie. You will wear a tie though, because it's, it's an unknown these days whether you need the tie. It's yeah, a, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just look. It's it's been great great to sit back and reflect. I've spoken to a lot of people in through different industries and. Um, just to be able to see what else is out there outside of the AFL. And it's mm. actually, yeah, it's been quite interesting. I mean, your CV uh, is obviously as sound as, as, as anyone's in footy. Um, it's obviously now had an 18-month period as a coach, which which obviously didn't work out for yeah. you. And you expressed that at the time um, upon which that decision was made. But the fact you've done 18 months in that position, it, it doesn't matter it didn't work out. It's, it's an experience and a and a skill set and, and, and a life period that, mm. that not many people get to have. And I'd imagine it would uh, only broaden your own horizons in terms of, you know, the learnings out of it and, and where that could take you, whether, it's th- whether it is football and, or, or elsewhere. Yeah, that, that's right. It's an it's achievement of a lifelong goal to be able to have a go. Um, you know, you put your name forward with the expectation that you believe you can make a difference. Things didn't work out for a number of different reasons. I'm not bitter. Um, I had a crack. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself, um, being able to sit back and reflect and spend a lot more time, obviously, with my family. And that's been pretty key um, for me at the moment. And yeah, be able to just, I guess, assess to where my next 10 or 15 years, you know, Mm. might lean to. We've got uh, Commonwealth Games coming to this state in a few years time. We've got the Olympics coming to Queensland in 10 years time. Like they're things that I think aspirationally, I think for, for good sports administrators, you know, probably sit um, as aspirations. Yeah. When it comes to the coaching thing, when you say there were things you, that didn't work out, uh, what do you identify now as, as, as to what was the, the greatest failing from, um, from the North Melbourne coaching job? Oh, greatest failing. Um, I don't know. I think we tried to work hard at education, trying to keep, you know, everybody involved on the, on the right story, the right platform, the right direction. Um, maybe I could have managed up a little bit better. You know, there's there's those elements that I think become 
um, important and paramount as to like we felt that we informed the board reasonably well, but maybe we, or maybe I needed to inform them more. You know those sort as of things. As to where the club was at, yeah, and the, and the win loss. Well, we had our marginal gains areas, and we had our you know weekly and monthly achievements that we were trying to hit, which weren't necessarily great. But yeah, over a period of time, I I think I look at it is there's faults on both sides. To be honest, I think there's support that perhaps they could have done better, and there's some things that I could have done better, and I've I've learned from that. I've mm. moved on. Um, I've got a clear direction as to where I want to take my next part of my career, and use that to my benefit, understanding what, you know, what support, you know, in a more intricate detail now, what a, a, a coach at an elite level, be it football or any other um, sport, needs to have. Mm. So so what would your advice be for a a, um, a first-time coach going into a football club? Take your time. Take mm. your time. Like I look at Adam's King, Adam Kingsley now that's had a, a really long established career. I mean, Scotty going back in is, is a bit of a no-brainer. I think that's a great appointment because of his well-roundedness. But yeah, be patient. Do some PD. Go and get as much experience as you can. Coach your own team. I've always been an advocate for coaching your own team at some level, if you can, because you have to make certain decisions, even though they're at a, a lower tempo and a lower speed, dealing with different decisions, different people, you know, medical um on-the-spot decisions around team and movements and that type of thing. So I think, yeah, be patient, take your time. And, um, you know, if you can – and I, look, I've had a couple of chats to Benny Rutten. I think he'll be a, a way better coach a second time through mm. for the disappointment and the um, the manner and how, you know, he was handled in the end. He'll learn from some of those experiences and he'll take his time and I'm sure he'll get better and have another crack. Yep. Going down the coaching path, as, as you did after a, a long and distinguished time in the game as a high-end administrator, I mean, there was even um, a lot of talk and I think even there was, might have been some conversations about being a chief executive officer at a club, even the one yeah. at which you became coach of. Um is, is there a regret component to, to what happened at North as coach in, in that regard that maybe the CEO role would have been better or, or it's just one of those life experiences and, you, and you're better off for regardless with, with what happened? No, I think you take the opportunities to present when they're there. Um, I'm young enough to still move in that direction, I think, if I wanted to, you know, which is hence going back to do some study. It's like, right, I want to learn some new skills. I want to keep moving forward. I'm not going to sit on my bum and feel sorry for myself. I'm going to move on and attain some, you know, some further direction improving in myself. Um, yeah, so I think aspirationally, I, I think I still have capacity. There's still things I need to learn in regards to, you know, the functionality, hence, hence the going back to study. I think the governance um, piece, you know, regardless of a CEO role, a GM role particularly is um, heavy with governance now, mm. you know, even at AFL level or any sport, you know, for that matter. So, mm. um, yeah, so aspirationally, yeah, that that's certainly an option, but I, I – I'm not necessarily just geared by the footy industry at yeah, the moment. Yeah, right. Oh well, there's a, clearly a vacancy there, and uh, I would <laughs> I would imagine the the CV is, is is stacks up as well as anyone's. I mean, if you if you do line it all up, it's it's there. And, and, and given the you know the past two people in that role, Steve Hocking, obviously before Brad Scott, yeah. um, you know their, their CVs are, are similar to yours. And I'd imagine that uh, if it's not just a one person that replaces Brad because um, Laura Kane worked with, with Brad as well and, and, and she's still there obviously and, yep. and she I would imagine would be being considered too but how they split it up because Andrew Dillon ultimately as it stands still sort of heads up that whole space anyway um, yeah. yeah I've got to imagine uh, a call would be made Dave. yeah thank you well I worked with Laura at North for 12 months so she was a good operator so yep. yeah 
it's a big decision to, to make for the game. Um, they've got to get it right, don't they, Sauce? Because, uh, yeah, you get that position and, and, and the work in that space wrong and, and, and nothing works. Well, fundamentally, our whole game revolves around that position. Mm. So, but, uh, but look, good luck with it, Dave. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Sauce. Um, just Damo might want a media job there at some point, might want to be your assistant, <laughs> your writer. <laughs> No, 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 no. You're okay. No, I'm not going to jump on that, that side of the fence just yet. So, no. so, well, I don't think I'm anyway. Not, well, not by choice at this stage anyway. No. So um, let's uh, head to a break. Uh, we need to hit it. We then need to get uh, back out of it because there is a, uh, a development in the Hawthorne racism allegations situation. It's coming from the ABC media outlet, which has uh, now responded to, uh, to a lot of claims being made about it and its operations in recent times. And, We'll bring you that next on The Late Trade. You're listening to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. Stephen Silvani, David Noble, Damien Barrett with you. Uh, guys, about, uh, well, we, we received it about 10, 15, 20 minutes ago. A statement from the ABC, um, and this is the headline. Statement on the ABC's reporting of Hawthorne Football Club racism allegations. I'll wade through it. Um, it is significant. The ABC would like to address misleading public commentary regarding Russell Jackson's reporting. I'll just move through that. It has been stated or implied that the three former Hawthorne employees named in the story were denied a fair opportunity to properly respond to the ABC's reporting. This is incorrect. On Monday, September 19, and into the following day, all three were contacted multiple times by the ABC via email, phone call, and text. Also contacted were the media teams at Hawthorne and Brisbane and the personal management of one of the individuals. They were provided with all relevant information about the allegations. They were asked detailed and open-ended questions that gave them the opportunity to fully respond to all the allegations. After initially receiving no response, the ABC contacted all the parties again and offered them more time in which to respond. We again received no response to the questions. Statements provided by Hawthorne and the AFL were included in the story and the ABC has reported comments that have subsequently been made. While Russell Jackson's story reports on the existence of the external review commissioned by Hawthorne and some allegations made within it, his story was not based on that review and does not quote its contents. His reporting was based entirely on original interviews conducted with primary sources after he was alerted to this difficult and important story. His reporting has been accurate, fair and ethical. And that statement has uh, effectively been signed by Sally Jackson, ABC Communications. It's uh, it's yet another step. It's another phase of this uh, this whole story, which, which gets us uh, no closer to finding any form of resolution on any front. And what it clearly does, too, guys, just as we um, debate this as part of the the greater overall story. It just puts a, a line in the sand from the ABC's perspective is that they're not conceding anything that is being said about their involvement in it and, and they're, they're backing their, their journalists as good news organisations do and, and should do. And, and what it does is, again, um, I suppose set in stone the, uh, the defiance of the people uh, making the allegations against the people who've had the allegations made against them. And 
I just keep going back to this story breaking 6 a.m. or thereabouts two Wednesdays ago, so nine days ago. With On that very same day, Gillian McLaughlin said it was his hope to have a four-person panel formed to fully investigate it independently. That hasn't happened. We're now nine days in. He said that on the day it happened. And, and also on that same day, he said there was a hope and he would like to wrap it up inside six to eight weeks. Um, there is no chance that is going to happen. There was no chance it was going to happen then. We're already nine days now into it. It is not happening. I just don't see how this story does ever have a, re- a resolution that is going to be satisfactory to, to every single person concerned in it. And, and obviously, as these days now drag on, that the likelihood that both Alastair Clarkson and Chris Fagan, while they are absolutely deserving of and need their time with due process and natural justice, will actually get a chance to have that served out inside the, the time frame, Soss and, and David, of the resumption of, of pre-season training and going into the the actual 2023 season. So am I right to assume that there's the ABC report and then there's the Hawthorne report? Yes. There's two separate things yeah. here, aren't there? Yeah, and, and, and it's a good question you ask. Uh, some people who are even quite close to this, I, I don't think are aware that, that a lot of the reporting, of, of in fact, as stated in that release, yeah. Most of the ABC report was Russell Jackson's work separate to the actual contents of the report. I mean, there is a reference there that he did refer to the report, and there may have been some some certain paragraphs in it that did. But ultimately, the interviews he conducted were yeah. separate to the Hawthorne report itself. Yeah. So for me, this – like, it starts to separate the two out. For me, I was a bit confused, I must admit, initially, that it was sort of merging into one where the – this statement, obviously, from the ABC is saying, well, the report from their reporter was flagged and hasn't been responded to. And then the report from that Hawthorne um, engaged was sent to the AFL. That was indeed the case yeah, as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Trick, it's tricky. It's so, just, well. So, so Damo, have the accused people, yep. have they got a responsibility to get back to the ABC if they feel as though, well... You know what you're saying, we don't feel is correct, and yeah, I don't know anything about it. No, the, 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 I mean to answer your question, they don't. I mean they, they can do whatever they want. Um, but but what has been conveyed in the in the now many statements that both Chris Fagan and Alistair Clarkson and the clubs have made yeah. is that an inference, and I don't want to get too bogged down in, in the minutiae of it, but an inference that they didn't get that right. Now they certainly didn't but get they, a right. They haven't, they haven't got a right to respond to the report that Hawthorne have prepared. Yeah. And that's also part of their their, yeah, their public but, statements. But in, but in relation to the ABC, hmm. well, they, well, they had no – they weren't required to No, there's, to there's no obligation to. No, no but there, there's – there's um look, pr- there's practice. And you know this, Sauce, and, and, and anyone listening to this, there's practice. If you're going to write something or say something about someone, you owe them the right to, to respond if they want to. Now, again – Chris Fagan, we believe, and was having exit interviews, player exit interviews on this period in question. And yeah. and while, you know, clearly the ABC is not going to make that statement today without knowing that that it was received, the the you know, the the, the opportunity to reply. But in, without knowing anything about it to that point, and they didn't, these guys, um, if he is in his diary to have all these exit interviews with players, he's not going to drop everything, I would have thought, and, and until he got his head around it. Now, again, he's chosen not to, and still to this point hasn't, apart from the statements he's made. But Again, so you've now, to your point, the, the layers of it, the separation of the report itself, um, and again, the legalities attached 
to all of yeah. what's going to happen. I, I just don't see how this doesn't hit the courts of the land. I mean, we're going to get an AFL investigation, an independent one. We're yet to know even one person on the four-person panel, let alone how that's going to work, what scope it's got, what questions it's got to ask, what powers it's got to compel people to appear before it. The courts of the land have those powers, but an independent investigation by a sports body doesn't. And how that looks, what it means, and, and ultimately with every single passing you know, hour on this, it just gets pushed back as to the, these two coaches are, have chosen to stand down. And, and I just can't see how they can then resume their careers as coaches without there being a form of finding on, on this from an AFL perspective. Um, they've both just, just chosen to stand down. I believe that they are both revisiting those decisions as we speak. In fact, I... I know one of the two is um, in quite a significant way as to well, what would happen if I was to just walk back in on a certain date. Now, I, I don't see that happening. I think people around the, these people at the moment, but, but at the same time, the emotion attached to what they're dealing with is obviously profound and, and, and clearly on the statements they have now issued publicly so strongly, they don't feel they've done anything wrong. And, and as such, you know, why should we be standing down? And how, how, how are we going to get the due process that, that obviously has to has to be factored in at some stage of it. When, when to this point they haven't had that chance in a proper forum to, to, to properly defend the, the allegations made against them. I suppose that they're thinking they've chosen to step away. They've not been asked by the club or the AFL that there's any potential breach. And so therefore the capacity to move back in of some shape or form to continue until such time as mm. they're instructed to. The, the difficulty for me at the moment with, with, all involved is trying to find the independency yeah. of, and now my thinking is, does this, are they, are they trying to find something for both parties that's going to placate that ability to see, to be seen as independent? Is it something from a, from a judge and a governmental, yep. you know, department? Is it something that the AFL become involved in rather than running it themselves? That. It seems like that for me, how I think, Damo, is that that's what's taking the time is yeah. to be able to placate all parties where they're seen to be given the opportunity to be heard independently and fairly. Mm. And no, they can't rush this. But they simply can't. No. no. It, it clashes with the natural justice component yeah. to it because that has to take time. And I mean, the, the standing down, which came in the 24 hours after the story broke, uh, that was in a in, in a, in a, I suppose a mindset of this could be wrapped up inside eight weeks because that's what the AFL indicated. Now, um, again, if you go back to that point in time, it was a, it was a haze and the, the, the maelstrom of actually trying to absorb what was being written and, and what it meant and how could this happen. And then you go nine days down and we've now got a lot of denials and, and angry denials and there's anger behind the scenes on all of this. And as I said, um, you know, the, the, the coaches themselves are now thinking, well, wh why can't I continue to do my job? They are making – I believe they are making calls and there's no ban on them um, actively – uh, receiving phone calls from players they want to bring into their clubs. No. Um, there's no, there's nothing stopping them, nor, nor I don't think there should be. But in terms of um, physically returning to their clubs, I, I just don't see a way they can now that they've stood down uh, without there being any form of, um, you know, resolve on, on, on all of this together. And, and, and this statement from the ABC too says that it, it wants its voice heard in this conversation as well. It's not just the contents of the Hawthorne report. The, uh, there's another party in this now, that being the, the media arm of the, of the reporting around it. So, again, ultimately, there's a, 
a lot going on and everyone, everyone, and again, we keep saying it, we'll end up saying it 15 times in space, everyone deserves and needs the natural justice, the due process to it. But while we're yet to get the establishment of the uh, the panel to, to form the AFL part of this, before it then hits the, the courts of the land, because there's going to be legal actions everywhere. So will the, everywhere. What, what will the panel assess? The report? As in the Hawthorne report yes. or the story it or has, both? Well, and that, that's a really good point. The AFL would only have the, the scope, I would think, under its systems to to, to primarily address the report. But right. but with the ABC yeah. coming into this now, they will need to be part of it as well. And the, the claims are now public, whether we like it or not, and, and whether people think it's unfair, and it is unfair to not have the response of the people being accused to this point. But that's the way it works, and that's what's happened um, by, via the ABC reporting. I just hope that all clubs involved, with wherever they are, that they're supporting the people involved in this. Yep. Because it would be, I would hate to think how difficult and emotional like that those accusations are, yep. and how the people would feel that are that have those accusations. I hope that the clubs are really have got their methodology and their their people involved that are, are really supporting those people at the moment. Mm. And and unfortunately, there is no end in sight. There's not, a, not even a, a, a start to the no. end in sight part of it. So, yeah. All right. That was uh, the statement there from the ABC released only a few moments ago. Um, we might try and uh, just get back to our calls, I think, on the other side of this and, and maybe... Uh, in fact, I've just looked at the clock. You're out. Aren't you? I am. Because <laughs> you grilled for me for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. just trying to get you a job, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I uh, appreciate it. And, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty busy last two hours here on the late trade, but you're going to be uh, leaving as you do um, during 2022 at uh, at this particular time. And I haven't seen him yet. Sauce, is he, is he no, spotted? He's, in, he's, he's there, in. is he? He's oh, there, the big right. fella. He's, yeah. I still can't see him, but he'll be coming in in a few moments' time. Matty Rendell to, to bring home the final hour of The Late Trade for MEGT. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. Well, he's coming wound up even more than normal today, Sos. He came What's in on happened? the he came in on the phone, didn't want to talk to us, and then went hush, 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 hush. What, 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 hey, I can't talk, I can't talk. What's what, happened on the back of the paper? What has happened, Matty Rendell? Oh, well, well, welcome, good afternoon to you, Matty, as part of the late trade. What have you done? The, the sand, upset. The sand grapers are happy with me. And actually, uh, well, there's back page of the paper today. I, I did an interview with Gillian Gossage yeah. this morning, and they said, oh, it's Fat shaming on the back of the paper is the headline. Oh. And, a, and a mate rang me last night. He said it's all over the sports or the news. Did that oh, make God the on. paper? Did that what? made the paper today? Yes. I was surprised. Back page. When you said it the other day, and as we said at the time, you've got to oh. say they're probably not match conditioned. I think yeah. that's the or phrase. A few you kilos should... overweight. Or... There's a lot to. That's the back use. page of the West Australian. I went. I went gentle, gentle last year when they were overweight, and it didn't work. So I thought I'd have to go a bit harder this year. <laughs> so is that uh, what you were talking about when you walked in? Because you were very no, no. I was talking. Secretive. I was talking about other stuff. I can't tell you. About well, I heard the I heard the word. Will he go number one? I did hear <laughs> that, and it wasn't eavesdropping. You just said that. Who's going number one? I don't know. I think you do know. <laughs> Who do you reckon, Sos? I've got I've got no idea. Oh, here's but, but, the, here's but, the headline. But this is this is what matters. No, no, but we. But like, it's, I t- it's I t- young t- talent. The real interest is the first two picks because mm. you've got basically midfielders in the first few and then you've got some good talks, but they're not in the first four or five. So North aren't in the 
in the market for another midfield. They've, they've got they've loaded up there in the past two drafts. And West Coast, well, the, the top kids there aren't WA kids. They're Victorian kids. Okay. They would be sceptical about going there. And But there's a couple of good kids. I think you say his name's Buzzinger and there's a Hewitt, um, very very smart Aboriginal kid. And there's another one, I can't, his name's eluded me, uh, that are a bit further back. So they would be thinking, do we give GWS pick two and get two picks where we can get two WA kits. Okay. Um, and then there's a few more next year. There's the, it's it's funny that you talk to some people, they go, oh, we're going to load up next year for the draft. And I said, well, they say that every year. <laughs> but uh, then some people really like this year's draft. But I don't think that they're saying that the depth isn't great in this year's draft. That's why I'd be really interested to see how many are, are picked in the draft this year. That We've had some blows the last two years because of COVID and there hasn't been enough viewing of these players. So, and there's been more players picked in that mid-season draft. So that first COVID year, I think 20-odd got picked, and there were a lot of kids yep. they hadn't seen much of who played at the time. So really interesting time around the draft and trading. Some want to move into next year and take picks. Some are happy to, to have a crack this year. So it's a, it's a bit all over the place. Matty, do you reckon they'll tra- if they're going to trade these picks, will it be done during the trade week or will it be done – before um, draft night or during draft well, night? It, it'll only happen in in trade week if there's competition. Mm. So the, if there's a few clubs who want to trade into that pick yeah. one, two um, area, I think you'll find... Or, or the other one is, Matty, yeah. if there's a player involved. Yes, mm. exactly. So, so um, oh, it's... This is about as exciting trade period as we've had for a long time, isn't yeah. it? I, I would have yeah. thought. It has had that it's, feel to it. And, yeah. and and while obviously nothing's happened at this point, it hasn't started. We've just been talking about it this week in preparation yeah. for the official start of it uh, next week. Um, Sauce today, Matty, uh, yeah. as part of his philosophical segment um, – yeah, took everyone through the the possibilities, and I think in his eyes, the, the I don't want to say I'm not taking words out of your mouth. Likely, oh, strong possibility. Let's go with it. That North Melbourne could be uh, moving away from pick one and, and getting a couple of picks for pick one. Do, do, do yeah. you? I know you've bounced that around on the late well, trade the, this week already, but yeah. what, what's your latest on that? No, no, I haven't got a I haven't got a latest on it, but um, it makes a lot of sense because they need keys. And play, key, key positions, key position yep. players. So there's a couple there, Cadman and Jefferson, who were really good in that game last week. Country versus Metro, both of them. In fact, there's there was a few tools. There was Hayes, so Sam Hayes' brother is a key back. They don't need the key back because they're going to get Rip Griffin Logan. Yep. Um, but um, the couple of key forwards, Cadman and Jefferson, they're pro- they're not in the top four or five. They're back a bit. So it's a real if they want to split the pick with, say, it's got to be GWS. They're going to have the picks. They're going to have a million of them. So if they want to split the pick, um, it's the tricky bit is where you, how far do you go back? Yeah. And if you miss by one, what's oh, it? It's not worth it. Yeah. Well, well yeah. you don't know because you you say, all right, we'll get pick seven and we'll get pick thirteen, and 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 one of those keys goes at pick six. Well, yeah. diabolical. Yeah. Your plan hasn't worked. So it's really tricky. And then you and there's no, way, make there's no way around that, is it? There's, well, there's the, no guarantee, is there? Well, the other thing well, that. No, yes, nothing there, official, anyway. No, there's nothing official. But, yeah. but then they can just say, well, 
we're loaded up on mids. We're just going to take this tall out of turn. So he might be rated six. We're going to take him what? And, and just that way you guarantee you get yeah, him. Yeah, you're guaranteed yeah. you get him. You're not yeah. splitting picks. You, try, you might be trying to get two. But say, so, no, it's too risky to do that. We're just going to take the bloke we know we can get yeah. and take him out of turn. That's fine. Are you allowed to negotiate? doesn't with happen clubs? often, though. What's right. Are you allowed to negotiate with clubs? I mean, just just, just theorise here. This kid you're talking about it might be worth number six or seven. You yeah. know he's not going to go in the top five. But he might go six or seven and your yeah. picks are – can you – Get a nudge, nudge, wink, wink agreement from clubs not to take him. Uh, no, nope, there's too many picks out of the way. But, and maybe, it's, and maybe it's, one. And if you got caught doing maybe, that, is there oh, an answer? Yeah, diabolical trouble. Yeah, uh, that is doesn't manipulating mean, doesn't, the draft. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen, table. but but it doesn't uh, mean it. it, it now, now, see, can't this happen. is this is what. This is what recruiters want to bring in. This is what recruiters... Look at, look at Sauce just smoking. Oh. No, I'm just no, saying, no, I was just saying no. it's never happened in my time. Oh, no. of course the, not. The recruiters... This is what the recruiters want to bring in. Damo, listen up. Stop laughing. This is what recruiters want to bring in is what they do in America. So uh, they take their pick one and the player they really want that gets taken pick seven. So say the key position player take by another club... They do a swap. Yeah, they do a swap straight away. Straight yeah. away. Yeah. So, th- so they actually do the deal before um, the pick, the draft starts. So, yeah. so if this bloke gets to pick seven, we'll take him because we want the bloke you're going to take at pick one, and we'll give us, you know, two more first round picks for the next two years. But we want that bloke. How far away are we from that? Um, the, the the recruiters have been trying to bring it in. The AFL wouldn't trust but, you recruiters to do No, that. they wouldn't trust. No, no, they, they don't trust anyone, do they? Well, there, there's a, there is a distinct lack of trust in the whole industry. <laughs> that's very true, actually. That's, that's um, very true. Great article today in the paper, Sam Landsberger. I don't know if you saw it. Page 88. Everyone should read it. It was a survey done by the, the Players, Players Association. Association. Yeah. Three things came out. Trust, uh, empowerment, and care. Three things. Boy, wait till I get to Collingwood when I do their list. <laughs> Trust, empowerment, care. Well, uh, always come back to the pies with. Well, because he, he labelled, he, he said they were going to have a good year. Is that why you're going back there? I don't know what you just meant by that, but we'll have to get to a break. Uh, yeah, we just found no, this the, article. The, well, the, they said the top four clubs this year yes. rated that yep. much higher than everyone else yes. in trust, care, and player and, empowerment. So Collingwood's got and, all that. And, and the... Bottom clubs rated the lowest. Funny, funny that. about that. Funny that, yeah. <laughs> Finally, someone's done a survey with some. Forget so, about so skills. You, so you and, actually had to go and do a survey to work that one out. <laughs> yeah. oh, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the PA had to do a survey <laughs> to work it out. If, if you win matches, seriously, they could have come to my house. I would have told them. If you win matches, you're happy. <laughs> it's pretty much yeah. what it comes down to. Um, yeah. Bernie Lyons just found this article that I think is on the back page of the West Australia West Coast Eagles labelled quote fat. <laughs> By former AFL recruiter Matt Rendell after the disastrous 2022 season. Maddie, we said at the time, Soss and I said, you've got to say out of yeah, match, I know, n- I non-match know. condition oh, or whatever. So, yes, I no, know. Just okay, I made a blue, but um, I, I was I, – last year, did you hear what I said? They're comfortable, selfish, out of condition. Four things I said. That didn't make the paper last year. <laughs> and I've gone, well, that didn't work. Well, so I'm going to have to go a bit harder this year. Sauce and I are distancing <laughs> ourselves from this involvement in that word, all right? We just want that on the record ourselves. <laughs> They're out of condition, all right? From here on in, that's what the phrase is. Okay, used. okay. Yeah. Um, let's go to the calls on the other side of this break. We need to do uh, hit that break. You're listening to Continental Tyres, AFL Trade Radio, Continental Tyres, 
engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. Give us a call, 1300 23 55 48. You can tell Matty Rendell, even by his standards, is nice and wound up. He's ready to take your calls, 1300 23 55 48. Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. A trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. Welcome back to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. There's been a lot happening today. Brad Scott officially uh, unveiled and and spoke at a press conference uh, announcing his time as an Essendon coach. We had the Kevin Sheedy situation, um, Soss and I, and David Noble debated that heavily. I I can't see a way where uh, where Kevin Sheedy is uh, remaining on the Essendon Football Club board. I might just get you to jump in here, Matty, with uh, with your take on on this, the... uh, the revelation in the Herald Sun of Kevin Sheedy that he voted for Matty, uh, for James Hurd against Brad Scott. Uh, we put it to Brad Scott, very diplomatically handled by Brad Scott, as you'd expect. But yeah, the, the breakdown of of board level machinations and operations at the at the footy club would uh, would suggest to me that uh, David Barham will be seeking Kevin Sheedy's removal from the board. Yeah, it's a tricky situation for a club legend like that, isn't it? But um, I, I, I ask the question: Why didn't the why didn't they say it was 6-1? Who cares? Yeah, I know. Uh, well, you, don't, don't, you don't have to say it was Sheedy. You just say, oh, it wasn't unanimous. It was 6-1. It's, it's actually you healthy. You don't have to say it was Sheedy. It's healthy to have a, a Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So but, that's, but to go public with it in, in the manner in which he did yeah. and, and to clearly align himself and, with, with, and with we, James Hurd. And we did hear on the grapevine, um, I heard it somewhere, I can't remember where, but um, Hurd was the most impressive of a lot of them. Well, we couldn't have been if he... No, well, what have I heard from on the grapevine? Yeah, but mm. you're not going to be the most impressive and then Brad Scott get it, unless he was the most impressive, I would have thought. Well, I'm just saying. He's most impressive in, in Kevin Sheedy's grapevine. <laughs> there was a process, <laughs> Matt, and, yeah, <laughs> and Brad Scott came out on top. I, I think it's All fair right. to say who uh, may have emerged most Im- impressively out of all well, of that. Well, maybe the baggage with Hurdy's. Well, I think that's all, that's all part I of it. I mean, the I, fact the fact that Merritt <laughs> potted him in an interview he did before the finals, <laughs> didn't didn't you hear when that got out? Yeah. And then he backtracked and he said, I don't think it's a good idea if he coaches a club. Yeah. Uh, one of your leading players. So, yeah, one of your yeah. leading players. Yeah. I said that sort of puts the kibosh on that, doesn't it? Mm, it does. That was the uh, the Beaumont's news update for, for this particular hour. We opened the call line up one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. We've got a few moments to to take your calls. So hit Maddie Rendell, Stephen Silvani up. Uh, Kevin is first up in Cobram. Hey, Kev. The fact that we might just uh, put Kevin back on hold there. He's got some uh, talkback coming through. We'll get back to you, Kevin. Let's go to Brisbane now, where Christian has called in. Hi, Christian. Hey guys. Uh, just wondering if Ross Lyon would consider coaching Brisbane and also uh, do you think Jared Cameron's still on the radar of the Lions as well? Uh, the Ross Lyon one I'll jump in on. Uh, it's a hard one. I, I don't get the feeling, Christian, that the, the Lions at the moment, as in the Brisbane Lions, are, 
I, I'm wanting to to delve into what Plan B looks like with uh, with you know, is Chris is Chris Fagan available to coach? Um, they're going to support him. They know there's a process to play out. I think there's enough people on their books already. Cameron Bruce, for instance, to to maybe get yep. them through those early phases of, of preseason training. We're still some months away from needing to make a decision on 2023. And as we've seen with, with Ross Lyon, uh, effectively now pulling out of the, the Carlton race uh, last year at, at a certain point and then refusing to even enter the, the Essendon vacancy at that stage, it would suggest to me that unless he's got a guarantee of, of being the man um, without needing to go through any great rigour, um, that he won't do it. So, look, while he would appeal, um, I've got no doubt he would appeal. If, if they need to go down that path, um, mm. there's just a lot to play at before we get to that and point. Most coaches don't involve themselves in pre-season anyway. Yeah. They come in really late. Let the assistants do it. Yep. Unless you're a new coach. Um, Jared Cameron, the other question he was asking, Sauce, is that a – Chris, is that Jer- – what was it? What Jared was it? Cameron. Um, he was on Frio's list. It's the brother of Charlie. West, right. Coast, West Coast list. West Coast list, was okay. it? Yeah. yeah he sure showed some right. talent, but they delisted him. I don't know where he was this yeah. year. Right. Uh, I, I couldn't help him with that. No, I, I doesn't mean anything to me either, Christian. So th- thanks for your call. Uh, let's go to Paul in Bendigo now. Hi, Paul. Hey, uh, Matty, you've been in footy long enough to know that um, <laughs> clubs don't generally, get, generally give the coaching job to the second most impressive, mate. But anyway, <laughs> what I'm bringing about, mate, Brody Grundy. Go on, you, Paul. Brody Grundy, mate. Um, yeah. yeah, just on the way past. If they, um, Brody Grundy, Melbourne are in the box seat there, aren't they? If they're trying to offload a fair bit of their cash off their books and now keeping to go, he probably even strengthens Melbourne position to give up less. Um, to give up less? You mean trade wise? Yeah. Um, so a lot depends on. The Grundy and what it's going to cost Melbourne um, is how much Collingwood have to pay of his wages. So if Melbourne decide to take the full whack, so whatever it is, nine hundred thousand a year, and they can fit it in their cap, they will give him. They'll give Collingwood a third rounder. If Collingwood are prepared to pay three hundred thousand, they're probably going to get a late first rounder for it. So it depends. What they get off Melbourne very much depends on how much Collingwood are prepared to pay of his contract. It's the new currency, isn't it? The, uh, yeah. the preparedness of, a, of the, the recruiting club to, to pay um, the extent of salary. Uh, Paul, thank you for your call. Let's go to Capalabar now. Rob's called in. Hi, Rob. Uh, gentlemen, okay, a quick one. North Melbourne swapped their first pick with GWS. What stops GWS taking Cadman anyway? Haven't they got enough first-rounders of their own? Oh, sorry, midfielders of their own? Um, yeah, well, they've lost two. Um, Hopper lost and, three. Hopper, Tarando, fact, and Lost Bruin. three and Bruin. Yeah. Uh, they've lost three. Um, they're probably looking to replace them. So um, do they need a key forward? Absolutely. Um, and there's, you know, the couple of Cadman and Jefferson are the two main ones there. So uh, maybe they've got enough picks. Maybe they take one of them with their second pick. I mean, it's it's diabolical, diabolically too hard to work out right here, right now. I, I think the um, the uh, the Giants will take key position plays in this draft. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Unless, unless there's a standout mid that they go, uh, I think that's the three. Well, I, I'm not too sure what the talent pool is, but I think. If they've got a number of first-round selections, yep. I think they'll load up with some tools. Yep. 
Thanks, Rob. We'll get through these next calls pretty quickly if we can. We'll have another crack at Kevin in Cobram. Hi, Kev. No, Hello. Well, oh, yeah, Justin. <laughs> Far away, mate. It's Kevin here. I'm, I've been holding on for 45 minutes, 49 minutes. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> you're on, Kev. We, you're we, on. We threw it you're five on. minutes ago, mate, and we couldn't hear you. Far away, though, Kev. We, we, wanna, we know you want to talk to Sauce. I want to talk to uh, Stephen Silvani about Carlton. Yeah, I'm here, Kev. Hello? I'm here, Kevin. Are you there? Yes, yes I am. Oh, yes, I'm here. Uh, ask Go you, ahead. Ask your question of Stephen, please, Kevin. Stephen. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, Carlton don't seem to be doing very much at all. Um, number one, we need another. We need a, a backup Ruckman, and I'm very disappointed that Carlton delisted Stocker. Yes, well, um, I tend to agree with the Ruckman. We certainly need probably another developing Ruckman coming through. You um, still think Tom DeConing, though, is going to be elite, yeah. don't you? Oh, I think he Even though be... he got left out of the team late in the season. Yeah, he's only a baby, um, but I still think he'll, he'll be a top-line Ruckman at some point in his career. Um, so yeah. I think they – but they've, um, you know, they've obviously got Pitternet. I think they've got a young boy, Markov, or Mark – yeah, I think it's Markov. Yeah. He's about – I think he's about seven foot, but yes. he's probably still a few years away. So maybe another one on the list um, they, they, they probably do need. And, yes, the Stocker one came a bit of a surprise to a lot of people, but obviously they've got their reasons. So um, we'll see. We'll watch that space and see uh, where he may end up or whether he gets to another club or not. He got there eventually, Kevin, and I think you agree with what he what he had to ask. And, and he has been there for, as you said, 48 minutes. I can see on the – on the system here, he has been on that long. I'm glad we got there, Kev. Hope you got the answers uh, you wanted. Uh, let's go to David now in Springvale. G'day, Dave. Hey, guys. Um, St Kilda needs some backup backman for the great Dougal Howard. Would there be? Would they be better looking at a Callum Brown and as a delicit free agent to come across? Um, that's the first one. The second one is St Kilda now that the Paddy Riders are tired, do we need another back, uh, another Ruckman? <laughs> You've got Max Heath as a young kid coming through. I like Max Heath. I think he could be all right. So watch for him next year. Um, they haven't got much depth in there. I think there's probably the only two there with Ryder gone. Uh, Callum Brown. I think someone should pick Callum Brown up, forward or centre player, but you've got Higgins and Butler there. So um, is he going to get a game in front of them? Unlikely, but you do need a key back. Uh, Wilkie's doing a super job, very much undersized. Dougal Howard gets injured. They're in diabolical trouble back there again. They do need to find a key back somewhere. What's available at the minute? Who's out of contract? Who's a free agent? Are there any key position players, whether they're forwards or back? Because, you know, Howard can go forward. And play a little bit. So whether they find another backman or whether they've got a... Look, is Tomlinson a hundred, in that equation somewhere? Would he have Who's a year that? to go on his contract? I think he does. Yeah. Who's that? Tomlinson. Uh, yeah, Tomlinson's available, but they need... Yeah, well, he could fit in there beautifully, but they really need a 198er. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, David, thanks for your, your call. Uh, we'll just take one more quick one. It's uh, Sam in Henley Beach. Uh, g'day, Sam. G'day, mate. Um, just a question for uh, Sauce and Maddie. 
this is really um, I'm a Carlton supporter, and obviously North Melbourne are going through a, supporters are going through a bit of despair at the moment. And I, I guess West Coast will be there going through that in the next couple of years. Just quickly, um, what what do Soss and Maddie actually think about the draft system as it is, and what could be improved to stop basically? Uh, you know, teams dwelling down the bottom for five to eight years. I have a theory. I actually think that teams that don't make the eight, the, top, the bottom ten teams, should actually get two selections. So the teams that actually make the eight uh, don't get their hands on top 20 kids. What do you think? I, I, don't, I don't mind in in um, your theory to it. I think that... The, the the top ten teams that don't make the eight to to give them another selection in the draft before the top eight teams get a selection is a bit too much, but I don't mind the bottom four teams getting another selection once before the uh, the um, the finalists get it. It is difficult to rebuild and look. Some clubs will say um, people will say, well, you know, you're down the bottom because you haven't been able to manage your list or you haven't been Ooh. able to draft properly or your salary cap, you, you haven't been able to manage that and it's your own fault. That 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 That's fair enough, you know. But <clears throat> I think that the problem, the way things sort of happen right at the moment, it does take a long time to rebuild a list and people get impatient. And more often than not, you see multiple coaches being mm. sacked because of the rebuilds. Survive him. Hey, Sam, thanks for your, your call. We didn't hit a break. Uh, Maddie, we'll get to your uh, analysis piece on the other side of it. Yep. Gold Coast, I think, is the, yep. the one you want to hit the, today. So we'll do that on the other side of this uh, late trade for MEGT. MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. Matt Rendell's List Analysis for Continental Tyres. Engineered in Germany. Proven in Australia. Search Continental Tyres today. Matty Rendell continuing his list analysis of each and every club on the late trade. Gold Coast Suns are the next club in Matty's sights. Before we get to his prognostications for the Suns going into 2023, let's uh, take a look at what Matty said about this club this time last year. We require some more patience with the yeah, Suns. I they are they are eighteenth in the comp for experience. They are sixteenth for age. We need a bit of patience with them, Sauce. High hopes here. Miller sets the the bar high. They should all be following his work rate, and uh, they're starting to get some really good depth here of of uh, players. I think they'll they won't make the eight, but I think they'll go close to challenging for the eight. There you go. Now you're hitting some form. Oh, I'm, taking well done. A, I'm taking a bow on that. Take I've that got one. 50 push-ups to do so far, but I'm taking a bow. That's wiped 25 <laughs> must off. must have gone to bed early that night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now, uh, now you're hitting some form. I think it's going to be good for you from right. here on in. Well, well, this is a very interesting list here at the moment. They're, they've got all sorts of things going. So they're talking about uh, trying to get $2 million out of their cap over the next two years. Well, Jack Bowes is 1.7 in one gut. And you broke that story on the, uh, on the trade? Well, the, the two years, yes. Everyone thought it was a year. So uh, let's. I'm not going to go through their delistings for the for their uh, keyboard warriors because they <laughs> they would have never heard of the they would have never heard of Conroy McClellan, Bertar and Nichols. They haven't played a game. So are you, are you thumbing your nose at the keyboard yes, warriors? Yeah, but, and 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 but. Um, the reason why there's no one else because they got so many blokes going out. So Bose is going out. 
We don't know where. Maybe Geelong. Maybe Brisbane. Maybe Maybe, maybe Hawthorne. Sauce got Mark McKenzie to oh, hang on. Hawthorne. Have you thought of yes, this one? Yes, okay. And he asked Well, they it, got plenty of space. He asked it almost knowing the answer. And then right. got the answer. Ah, no, I yes. think I you, you, really? winked. Hey, you winked. Before you go any further, were your boys happy with your performance the other day? They, were they okay. didn't mention a they thing when I got okay, home last night. Okay, so obviously the keyboards have, have okay. <laughs> given me a night off. Um, <laughs> okay, Rankin out. So they'll get pick five and something else. Um, so that replaces the seven they're going to lose for Bowes. Uh, Fiorini, talk of Collingwood. Uh, so he, I'm thinking he comes out. Corbett out as well. Uh, Sharp, talk of Sharp going out. So their compensation pick they were given at pick 11, they swapped to get pick 20, what was 19, Sharp, 27? Was I, no, think no, it was no, tw- I think it was a Geelong pick. If so, someone they, could tell sure me how, what a, Sharp got picked. I reckon it was the uh, first pick Keep of talking, the next I'll have a look. day. The first you, pick you of the look? second day of the... Uh, yeah, the, first uh, pick, second day, yes. but it wasn't 19 because was there, was some, there was some father-sons and yeah, academy players picked. It was pick in the second draft. Pick 27. Oh, genius again, Sauce. There you go. So... They went back, they gave up 16 picks, and then the short road I'm moment. flogging it today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm killing it. Um, you're on the back page of the WA paper. <laughs> yeah. So, um, big loss, Rankin. But, but, they've got two really good small forwards. Roses really came on this year. Ainsworth improved. The three amigos in the forward line look so dangerous with Rankin there. You just can't control three electrifying small forwards like that. Throw in um, Chol um, and Day up there. They get King back. So their forward line's looking. Roses, Ainsworth, Chol, King, Hollands came in finally. Elijah Hollands, highly touted. Had a knee injury. He showed plenty. I think he'll end up in the forward line uh, with Corbett out, Rankin out. Um, Kaz Bolt will. He was excellent that he was a target and took some pressure off. I'm not sure he's not going to get in the team, I think, next year, but he's still got a year to go. So, But they did find a couple of other kids. I like Alex Davies in the midfield. So they missed Powell for a half a year, I reckon. Good player. Butterick for most of the year. Butterick's a really good small back. I really like him in that role. So that's a big hole to fill next year. Lemons will probably do it. but um, Weller went down. And and Weller was out for the year. So they And Lukosius missed. Second half of the year, basically, as well. So they had a few injuries there, but they found a couple. So Jeffrey looks a good player playing that mm. forward line. Is he excitement mm. machine? Played with his dad in '92 at the Brisbane Bears. And Farrar, Joy Farrar, looked a really good uh, uh, key sort of third tall defender there. So they've got a couple of really good kids there. Lot to like. Even with all these players going out, there's a lot to like about their list. So they're going to get five in. They've got 25, 32, 33. They're going to get some more in, a heap more picks in. They've got to go to the draft again. They can't do anything else. They're trying to get their salary cap down. Um, can they make the eight? Absolutely, they can make the eight this year. They lasted longer. Uh, last couple of games were disappointing. But um, this is – they're probably a bit light on a real gun, 190-centimetre, tough midfielder who can go forward, you know, the Fife, the Dangerfield, the Dusty, or someone like that. They really lack that type of bloke. Their midfielders are um, contested ball yeah. freaks, um, and, and they can find the ball as well, but they don't go forward and kick goals. They don't kick a lot of goals. 
So they really need someone in that area to stand up. It might be Hollands. He's not a big fella, but he can kick goals. Um, All right, so, lot so to like about what they're are doing. Are you prepared to say they will make the eight? Um, oh, well, oh, well, last year I had 14, 15 making the eight. They can <laughs> definitely make the eight. Um, and they've got enough depth there, but there is still a lot of kids coming in. The big question mark, how King comes up after a knee. Not a lot of players uh, a year after doing their knee, especially big blokes, mm. have great years. Um, it usually takes them a year and they get that, and they start to feel good about themselves and their body, and it's the second year they come to the fall. But so and, and interesting J- to see how he goes. Josh Bruce was a was a, an example of, of what you just said there yes. about coming oh, back. It, it happens. You've seen it for years, yep. 40 years. It's rare that they come up straight away and they're back to the same level yep. off a knee, even if, if they have a big lead in with preseason. Yep. That was the Gold Coast list analysis by Matty Rendell, as always, for Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. Time for a break. We'll be back to wrap up the late trade. The Late Trade for MEGT. Build your winning team with MEGT, Australia's apprenticeship and employment experts. Visit megt.com.au today. And Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day from Chemist Warehouse. Today's big moments for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. It's been a massive day on Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio, a jam-packed late trade for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Brad Scott made his first appearance in Essendon Colours, spoke to the media as Essendon coach, and only moments after he got off stage and probably took that polo shirt off, Matty and Soss, uh, the director of the Essendon <laughs> Football Club, Kevin Sheedy, decided to go public to the Herald Sun with his decision to vote for James Hurd in that particular race. And he just wanted it known that he wanted James Hurd, not Brad Scott. There's going to be ramifications to pay for Kevin Sheedy for doing that. I expect him, Matty, to, to be asked to stand asked to stand yeah. down. And, and I don't expect him to, so he's going to make them yes. sack him. Um, I can't have him. It could him be ugly. He was yeah. in New York. Sheedy at the time. Well, at least he? in the States, as far as we can tell. Did he so, go on Lynn Fox, uh, Lindsay Fox's uh, cruise boat? Did question. he get invited to that? I think you're right in saying so, that. But that, so that talked about stayed. a week and a half ago. So, yeah, he's, so he's done a tour afterwards. Yeah. And uh, that's yeah. why he's in the States. And there was a Thursday night NFL game on. He might have been watching that somewhere. Maybe jet Jet lagged, you reckon? Jet lagged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sleeping tablets. Might have been tired. Or not tired. Or red wine, I'm tipping. Anyway, he's done what Kevin Shetty often does, and that is something left of centre. And I just don't see him surviving on the board as a result of it, given the board confidentiality is uh, is a very precious part of uh, most clubs' operations. Uh, Jordan Degoe uh, signed officially with the Pies for, for five years, um, fighting off the, the approaches of Essendon and uh, more sustainably and sustained uh, St Kilda, Carl Eamon, Matt. We didn't actually uh, get to talk to you no. uh, with, with you about that. Um, first deal done effectively as a free agent gets to Hawthorne, which we've known about. The compensation for Port Adelaide was a Spot second on. round draft pick, pick number twenty seven. Yep. I don't think anyone could argue uh, the uh, the assessment of that. And another um, interesting development today has been the, the official request by Ollie Henry to leave Collingwood to join his brother. The very, very talented Jack Henry at Geelong. Um, out of contract after two years. Very, very talented. I know you both rate him. He'll be a topic of conversation mm. for us next week. Uh, have a good weekend. 
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sammy Hargrave's about to jump in. The Trade Radio Studio.